ringside, by golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. That's right, 100% territory talk each and every week here on the show. And I'm your host, Ray Russell, and we're back again to discuss more Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1981. Going to bring on my guest co-host here, Jamie Ward, for the show in just a few minutes. But before we get there, a friendly reminder that you guys can listen to Regional Wrestling along with sister shows. Like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, it's Raw versus Nitro, as we discuss the weekly breakdown of the Monday Night War. Most recent episode to drop covered July 8th, 1996, a very pivotal week in the history of professional wrestling, as we are just 24 hours removed from the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view, featuring the heel turn of Hulk Hogan and the formation of the New World Order. Also on that episode of Nitro, Rey Mysterio Jr., capturing his first WCW gold, defeating Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. Then over on Raw, the Ultimate Warrior is out, and Psycho Sid is in. Yes, Sid returning to the World Wrestling Federation, replacing the Warrior's spot in the upcoming In Your House International Incident pay-per-view. You can also listen to my podcast, The Wrestling Memory Grenade, where we're currently in the middle of the 1987 in the WWF Project, right now in the month of July. And the latest episode of The Grenade covering all of the July 87 WWF news and results, including Tom Zink quitting the promotion, the very first WWF drug testing, and the suspensions that followed. Sensational Sherry going to make her WWF debut and defeat the fabulous Moolah for the women's title. Billy Jack Haynes is injured. The Jumping Bomb Angels have arrived. Plus, we're going to talk whipping matches, tag team tournaments, Hogan versus Killer Khan, Superstar Graham returns and so much more this week on the Wrestling Memory Grenade and more on the way. You guys can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Be sure to follow us on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. Always a fun time on my social media accounts. And speaking of videos, make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can find us there at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. Something like 470 videos and counting right now over there on my YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe today so you never miss a thing. And wouldn't you know it, now is also a phenomenal time to become a WrestleCopia patron. And you can find us there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers you guys can choose from, but I'm only asking you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of goodies for just $5, including 
all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes. We're talking pages upon pages of show notes. Every episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and now the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well. You'll also receive early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You guys can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show covering the 1989 NWA project includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. And just an example, if you go back to Grenade Episode 2, all the way back in time to 2020, you'll notice the new enhanced version includes 22 new minutes of content and conversation. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about there. But that's still not all here at the All Access tier. You'll also receive digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. And of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Clash of the Champions, Saturday Night's main events, Coliseum videos, and so much more. Plus the occasional bonus drop. You never know what I'm going to drop there, video footage or otherwise. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows, Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content, digital downloads, and so much more. All of it for just $5 a month. And there's no subscription, guys. You can cancel any time. But please, if you can, show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you like the content we offer. And every penny of it, guys, goes right back here into paying the bills to keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network and all of these shows up and running for the years to come. So if you guys can, dig into those pockets, log into that PayPal account, help us pay some of the bills so I can keep putting out quality products like this right here the Regional Wrestling Podcast. And with all of that said, it's about that time. Last time here on Regional Wrestling, we cracked open January 1981 in the Georgia Territory. Here this week, we're going to continue on another three weeks of TV and house shows. Let's get going. Let's fire it up. Here it is, guys. Welcome back to Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. And it's time to get rolling again with more Georgia action. So at this time, I want to welcome back my special guest co-host for the Georgia 81 Project. You've heard him before on John McAdams' Stick to Wrestling podcast, as well as the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership. Hopefully I don't get sued for that. I kid, I kid. It is my pleasure to once again welcome back Jamie Ward to the show. Jamie, welcome back to Regional Wrestling. Jamie, are you ready for more GCW action? I'm ready to rock and roll, just like the Express. We're a few years off from there, Jamie, but I get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're going to roll on, guys. I, I really appreciate you being here again, Jamie, and I'm looking forward to getting going again with more Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. All right, so we had a lot of fun last time out, Jamie. We, had, we covered a couple of Omni cards and a lot of fun TV in between, and we're right back here in TBS Studios here this week, January 17th now. As uh, we look at some of the results, some of the matches here going on in TBS this week, Steve Kern defeating Ted Allen, 
Joe LaDuke over Gerald Finley, Mr. Wrestling 2 scoring a win over Joe Spurlock, National Heavyweight Champion The Stomper scoring a win over Jimmy Jones, no doubt in less than four minutes, Charlie Cook picking up a win over Ken Timms, and then it's time, we're going to go to a VTR now, Jamie, of a promo with a very glowing Michael P.S. Hayes. Spoken for, but if you think that you're the only one in this world who can't find love, I want you to know that somewhere there's somebody special, and they're waiting for you, and somewhere there's somebody special, maybe just dreaming of you, because I know there's special people dreaming of, of us, because we reached a dream last night, because we're driving something special, and I'm talking about a 1979 Lincoln Continental, baby. Now, you know something? Understand that Paul Jones said little Ted DiBiase come boogie-oogieing on over to his house and said, I scraped up $10,000. Please let us have a shot back at that car. Well, baby, that car is worth $17,000. And I believe you're a little bit short on the cash, Jack. So you're going to have to come up with just a little bit more. But think about it this way. And it's stipulation. Because no DQ, we've heard a lot of people in no DQ matches all over the country very seriously. And we did the same thing last night. We got rid of Idol. We got rid of Frazier. And we whooped up on Fuller. And I can't stop till I get enough. And I don't think I ever will get enough. What about your future plans starting with tonight? Tonight, we're going to drive a 1979 on up 75 to Chattanooga and get on down in a no DQ. And come up one week. Columbus, Ohio, back. Fantasia's coming back for all the ladies that was on holiday around Christmas time at Ohio State. And then, baby, sooner or later, any time, any place, if you want Fantasia, the only thing you gotta do is ask out of your heart, make it come from your heart where it starts. And if you want to see the annihilation of old broke neck Fuller, I doubt he'd even be out here after what we did to the boy. And Ted DiBiase and anybody else that thinks they got the guts to get on in there with the best. And you can forget the rest, baby. And don't forget, somewhere, sometime, there's somebody special waiting for you. And we are special. The Freebirds winning that Lincoln Continental Town Car, and there it was for those who couldn't see it, only hear it here in audio and haven't seen the actual footage. Michael Hayes having some fun by dangling Fuller's, well, Fuller's former car keys uh, in front of the cameras. Really fun stuff here by quite the asshole, Michael Hayes. Yeah, and we're only talking 12 hours later. Right. <laughs> I figure that show got over at 11. I think they used to tape at 10 or 11 in the morning at TBS. And boy, was Hayes having fun in that interview or what? He was. And Michael Hayes and the Freebirds state that they have nothing left to prove to Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller. They beat him once. They beat him again. They took Fuller's car. They took Fuller out. Hell, they took Stan Fraser out. They took Austin Idol out. Wow, got to go back a few months there. Michael Hayes has fun dangling the town car keys again in front of the camera. Gordon solely disgusted here as uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, we learn, has offered ten grand for a rematch. But uh, apparently the car, it's worth 17000 if I haven't mentioned that by now, Jamie. So he's a little short. Ted DiBiase doesn't have enough money to uh, goad the Freebirds into a rematch. Uh, gonna have to try and match that seventeen grand, or they'll never get another title match again. I'm, I'm very surprised that um, all the baby faces didn't start coming out and handing them money at that point. <laughs> oh yeah, good retro. Mid Atlantic, right? 
In Mid-Atlantic, yes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, just classic, smug, just an asshole, Michael Hayes, and I love him for it. Oh, man, love the Freebirds here. And uh, action goes on, and the Freebirds are in the ring here, and they still have the belts along with them. As we see Ted and Jerry Oates on TV this week defeating that national tag team champion Freebirds, that's Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy in the ring. The Oates boys going to get the win here on a disqualification after Gordy and Roberts were caught double-teaming off the top rope. Match went about eight minutes' time as the Freebirds try for, again, a triple pile driver post-match here, but the Oats slide out of the ring in order to escape. I'm surprised they got out of the ring in time there. Uh, the Freebirds looking to maim yet another opponent, but the Oats brothers live to fight another day. Show continues on. We uh, follow that up with a promo from Kevin Sullivan, who uh, lost his television title at the Omni the prior night. It was we get a VTR from the Omni as we see Steve O defeating Kevin Sullivan for those who missed it last time here on the Georgia Championship Wrestling Edition of Regional Wrestling. Kevin Sullivan lost the TV title after Steve Kern came to ringside, Kern minding his own business. Maybe he had Wrestling 2's manager's license. We, we talked about that a little bit. But uh, it was uh, Sullivan taking a swipe at Kern and then Kern retaliating, tripping Kevin Sullivan, allowing Steve O to land on top and win the television title. But we also learned that we get a rematch here today on TV, and we get that rematch right now, as it is the national television champion, Steve O, once again defeating Kevin Sullivan, this time on a countout. After about five minutes of action, Steve Kern coming to ringside for commentary, talking with Gordon Soley, again minding his own business, but it seems to distract Sullivan, who comes out to shoo Kern away from ringside and in the interim, Sullivan winds up getting counted out. A little taste of his own medicine there this week. Yes, yes, Sullivan definitely got a taste of his own uh, medicine this time. Uh, once again, like you said, Kern with the manager license. And why is Steve-O getting a push? <laughs> We're going to be asking that for months to come. But but actually, we, we should have seen this coming. Once he arrived around late July, August. Yeah, the and- summer of 80, right. As time goes on, he is winning most of the matches at the Omni and, and the house shows. And, you know, he's not at the top of the card, but he's also starting to do commentary on a lot of matches up until this time that he wins the national TV title. And actually, it ends up continuing through the rest of his run in Georgia. Right. And I, I almost want to say that Steve O got this spot by attrition, but that's just not the truth. In fact, the Georgia roster gets stronger and stronger. As time goes on. So it's, it really has me scratching my head why uh, Steve Olsonowski gets the push that he does here and some of the wins that he does. I won't get into all that right now. Don't want to spoil the fun for everybody I, out there. But I, I mean, the only thing I can I can see is maybe he was a Jim Barnett favorite. But Ooh, that could, uh, could be onto something there because he, he's not a very good promo. Uh, he's... I, I mean, land in the ring. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to rip the guy apart. He's perfectly fine out there putting on a match. That I'm not. I'm not saying that he's atrocious. I'm not saying he's Otis Sistrunk. I'm not saying anything like that. Just really weird that he gets all of the things that he gets here. I mean, Bobby Eaton could have uh, if they let Bobby talk more. There you go. He certainly could have. You know, definitely could have done more in the ring. Uh, I saw. I mean, I knew Bobby in real life. Bobby could talk. He just didn't. <laughs> mumbles, mumbles, Eaton. I love Bobby Eaton more than anything, man. He is. Uh, I only met him one time. I had a fun conversation with him, and he was just the. Nicest guy ever. I, I I met him plenty of times, you know, through Dennis Carluzzo with, with Jim Cornette, Tom Robinson. I was going to say, didn't Tom drive him around? 
Yeah, Tom drove him around. I drove him around. Um, it got to a point after those shows, I started driving uh, Bobby back to the hotel. Okay. And we would talk football most of the time. Oh, that's Just cool. A, out of all the wrestlers I ever met, he's number one nicest person yeah, of gotta, all time. Yeah, I got to put him right there myself. Yeah, I, I, I got to put him right there, too. I'll, I'll give you a quick uh, Bobby Eaton story. If you yeah, let's have at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're here okay. for. Okay, so everyone knows Tom hung out with all the wrestlers. I was there, too. I just wasn't the, the uh, over-the-top guy like Tom. Just real quick, Tom being Tom Robinson, for those who don't yes. know. Tom Robinson, Mr. T.R. Shock, the legend himself. <laughs> Tom is a legend. I've seen Tom in action many a time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, long story short, we go to the rivet. Tommy Rich is with us. I'm going to tell the second part of the story. I'll save my big Tommy Rich story for another time. But awesome. after the, <laughs> after the rivet, it's me, Tommy, and Bobby driving back to the hotel. And Tommy's asking if uh, I play cards. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I play every now and then. He goes, oh, well, why don't you come on back? Me, Ron Simmons, and Bobby, and such and such. Uh, we're, we're going to play cards, and you know, you can play with us. I'm thinking to myself, wow. I'm going to play poker with these guys. Now i got a story coming. Right. So we pull up into the parking lot. Tommy gets out because he's got to go to the bathroom. So he, he's running into the thing. And uh, I'm starting toward their room. And, and Bobby's next to me. And all of a sudden, he just steps in front of me and said, nope. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're not going in there. I said, come on. I, I want to play cards. He goes, listen, you have a nice Mustang here. You won't own that Mustang by the time you're done playing with these guys. Oh, wow. These guys are sharks. You're a nice kid. Just go home. Ron Simmons playing cards. Imagine that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really cool story from Bobby. You know, that's, uh, that sounds like, you know, just a hell of a guy. I yeah. really pr- appreciate you sharing the story here on this on the show, and uh, that's what we're here for, man. And uh, had, had you said, Ray, can I tell a Bobby Eaton story? And I said no, I- I'm sure I would have been canceled tomorrow anyway. Nah, nah. <laughs> this is a good show. You'll never get canceled. So we go back here. Steve O scoring another win over Kevin Sullivan, this time by a count out. So it's Steve O who is two and O against Kevin Sullivan. See what I did there? Oh, looking competent, but also a little lucky. You better thank Steve Kern. Speaking of Kern, Sullivan trying to attack Steve Kern after the matchup, but Kern fighting him off and Sullivan eventually bails. So everything was going Kevin Sullivan's way. And for the time being, not so much anymore. No, but you know what? Kern and Sullivan know each other so well. They they both could have been blindfolded through all this and everything still would have looked great. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, show goes on. We get Dusty Rhodes in the studio this week. Dusty going to score a win in the ring over Pat Rose with a bionic elbow. Only takes him a minute and 23 seconds to get that one done. And they used that match for years on Georgia. They sure did. I'm assuming this is the show that it actually came from, though. Seemed to fit. Probably, yeah. Uh, I did see this match. It looked like it was a live part of the show. As we head off, this week's profile is the American Dream himself. Dusty Rhodes going to do a profile interview, if you will, if you will. Uh, a VTR here of Dusty Rhodes and a sit-down interview with Gordon Soley. Here we go. I thought it would be interesting this week to uh, try and settle something. There's been a lot of controversy and a lot of discussion about the fact, of course, that Dusty Rhodes made the statement uh, last August uh, in 1980 that that was it. He was done with Harley Race. He would never again wrestle him for the world championship. Harley Race had never pinned him. Uh, Dusty Rhodes has never been defeated by Harley Race, but now he wants no part of him uh, in a, a title match. And I thought a lot of people are still questioning that, Dusty. Well, Gordon, you know, uh, 
in uh, your childhood or, or basically when you're growing up, you always have a <clears throat> goal or, or something that you're going to reach out for. And in, in this world today, there's a lot of uh, underneath current going on, whether it be in politics or whether it be in football, whether it be in wrestling, whether it be anywhere, there's people always trying uh, to keep the underdog. You know, I, you know what I mean? Dusty Rhodes from uh, the, the lower uh, side of town across the tracks, want to be world's heavyweight champion. Penn Holly raced three times, you know, real bad. Beat him one time. Uh, all over the uh, the nation, the story goes that uh, Holly Race has never pinned Dusty Rhodes. So I went into Tampa Stadium, and uh, Tampa Stadium last tango in Tampa, and I said, I'm going to pin Holly Race tonight in Tampa Stadium. Over 25, 30,000 people in Tampa Stadium. I'm going to pin Holly Race, and then it's going to be over. And I pinned Holly Race, and I said, I'll never wrestle Holly Race again uh, for the world's title. And I've stuck to that thing, but it just uh, a few weeks ago, when there was a two-on-one situation, Tony Atlas came to my uh, uh, beck and call, you understand? I mean, he took on his uh, self to come out and help Dusty Rose and McAbee. So when it came time for Tony Atlas to need uh, some type of push or some type of, uh, uh, whether it be you get adrenaline from some people, whether like sitting with you or, or you get excited about things. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony Ellis now has the opportunity to be World's Heavyweight Champion. Let me tell you something, son. Now, you can go all over the world and do everything you want to do. You can be a great bodybuilder. You can be a great lover. You can be a great fighter. You can be a great singer. You can be a great football player, great wrestler. But when you win the World's Heavyweight Championship and you'll stand in there and the thrill and the adrenaline and everything that you wanted as a kid comes true, that's a feeling nobody can tell you about, not even me. So it's there for you. You take the opportunity now to apply yourself, not to bodybuilding, not to going out running, not to doing anything, but one thing, you've got to be mentally prepared to be World's Heavyweight Champion. There ain't that many people at all. That's why there's 500 guys wrestling all over this country, and there's about 490 can't even put their shoes on. But there's one that's beat Harley Race. And that's Dusty Rose, and I'm telling you, Tony Atlas, it's your time to pick it up. You gotta pick the tempo up. You can beat Harley Race. You can defeat him. You did it. It's 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 really fairly easy. You understand? Because Harley Race got one weakness. His shoulders are flat. I know, because I put him on the mat. So my advice to Tony Atlas is take it and run with it. Because in '81, this old boy here from Austin, Texas. It's going to be looking down his throat. So I hope it wins. Because I think Tony has a, a feeling for being World's Heavyweight Champion. He's never been a black World's Heavyweight Champion. That's the first thing. That should drive him all the way to be World's Heavyweight Champion. That should be enough, Garden. Just like there was never a handsome commentator until you came along. All right. You know what I mean? Right. So, so Dusty Rhodes and, and Harley Race is over. I'll never wrestle Harley Race again for the World's Heavyweight title. And Tony Atlas... Uh, be good to yourself because it comes around one time and if you don't pick it up, if you don't get on the train when it comes around, then you're left behind. There you have it, the comments from Dusty Rhodes. He will never meet Harley Race again for the World Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, he's left the door open. When and if Tony Atlas wins that title, Tony might have to look across the ring at the American dream with that title at stake. But nonetheless, the opportunity by virtue of the tag team match, Dusty Rhodes and Tony Atlas against Harley Race and Ole Anderson has catapulted uh, Tony Atlas into that prime position to uh, go after the world heavyweight champion and the title.
That's our profile for this week. All right, so Soli talking about Dusty Rhodes. Dusty talking about being done with the, the world title for the time being. He couldn't beat Harley Race before, and he vowed he would not wrestle him again for that championship belt after their match last August. Uh, but now it's going to be all about Tony Atlas versus Harley Race. It's Tony's time to shine, says Dusty Rhodes here. He talks about Atlas pinning Race in the Omni, and he can do it again. Dusty knows this as uh, Dusty leaves the door open also to wrestle Atlas for that NWA title should Tony actually defeat Race for the belt. It's interesting that just not here, but uh, before this, they actually referenced the last tangle on Tampa between Race and Dusty. Yes, they do. Right. Yes. So it kind of foreshadows what's going to happen in the month of June. Good call, Jamie. I mean, that's why DiBiase's in a tag team here. So that could happen. You got that right, baby. <laughs> and the show will continue on. Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas in the ring, scoring a victory over Rick Craven after a big press slam, three minutes and nine seconds. And then it's off to Dusty Rhodes yet again, this time a little more lively Dusty Rhodes. This is more of a, a Mac and Dream promo, baby. Dusty Rhodes going to talk about Ole Anderson and, and everybody else in the territory, for that matter. And I want to take a moment right now to talk once again to my good friend Dusty Rhodes, and he's got his Texas bull rope with him. Godzilla, you know what it'd be in San Francisco the 24th, no matter where it's at? The thing that part now is tonight, Chattanooga, Tennessee, go get a look at the American dream. I bring my bull rope for Ole Anderson. You know there are a lot of people talking real boogie-woogie. You know, in, in Columbus, Ohio, me and number two going boogie-woogie Friday night. I mean, it's all over the world. But let me just say something about Ole Anderson and I go get wrapped up and thrown away in Chattanooga, Tennessee, because I'm coming with it. But let me say something. Let me say something about the Freebirds. You understand? What they call it, they say it's Fantasia. If you ever seen Fantasia, you ain't seen nothing. Have Fantasia ever met the electrified funk king? Have they ever seen electrified funk? Let me tell you something, Michael. Tonight, when you're driving that Lincoln down to Chattanooga, I'm going to drop a water bomb on you from the top of my Learjet as I fly over you, Daddy. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> there you have it. Dusty Rhodes. So Dusty talking about bringing the bull rope for some matches against Ole Anderson at the upcoming matches, maybe in your town, Jamie. He also talks about Freebird Fantasia. But has Freebird Fantasia ever met the electrified Funk King? That's the American dream. That is a match that I would have liked to see. Any interaction between Michael Hayes and Dusty Rhodes going back and forth. I don't think we ever got to say it. I, I don't remember it, or at least until it was too late. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know that they were in the same place at the same time. I mean, for a real story to evolve, I mean, obviously the birds go from Mid-South. Dusty came in and out for a couple of shots here and there, but that was it. Right. Dusty's working top of the card. Right. Not that the Freebirds, really, Freebirds were never the top of the card. There was always sold a few of these cards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But. Dusty made sure his name was always on top if he was in town. And I'm not, and I won't be shocked if we we come across a match where, where Dusty teams with somebody to take on the birds, but I think that's all we're gonna see here. And then of course the birds go on to Dallas. Dusty doesn't go into Dallas, so No, it, but we never did get to see the, the TV feud right. between between oh, them. Man, the promos would have been amazing. Oh, absolutely. And then you have Dusty bring the cowboy in to be his partner against the Freebirds. Oh. 
Oh, I'm fantasy what, booking what here. But Dusty been? going through one at a time. Buddy Roberts one, you know, for a match or two. Terry Gordy, I mean that those would have been really fun. But and then eventually going to get to that sissy Michael Hayes as well. You got to do that. Uh, yeah, it would have been like the dog all over again. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they could have blinded Dusty. Oh, what a oh, great my stuff. God. Money, money for a year after that. And then bring the dog in the team with them. There you go. Oh, those damn fabulous Freebirds. And, and I always loved Dusty talking about Freebird Fantasia. I think he said it more than Michael Hayes did. And, and, <laughs> and uh, it's never more prominent than when Dusty comes back, leaves the WWF after the Royal Rumble in 91, and he starts booking for WCW again. And almost immediately, what do we get? We get Bad Street. But before he was Bad Street, that first night, he was Fantasia. For those who right. uh, may not remember that, Dusty Rhodes loved that name. Unfortunately, it was owned by Disney. So that was cut short, and we got Bad Street instead. Uh, poor Brad Armstrong. And we had Arachnaman in there, too, but that's another yeah. story. Uh, and there's the, another lawsuit. Poor Brad Armstrong always gifted these, these ideas gone wrong. Let, let's name him after uh, these own properties. Hey, and there was another really nice guy. Yeah, Brad, Brad was so cool. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was in the top five drawing guys in the world or the top five promos or anything like that. But easily one of my top five go-tos when I, when I want to go watch good wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'm not Very understanding this. in the ring. Thousands upon thousands of wrestlers, Jamie. And I'm telling you right now, Brad Armstrong in my top five just to go watch wrestle. And that, that skinny little kid that uh, comes in at the end of 81 I would have never thought he would have turned into the wrestler that he, he did become. Right. Yeah, but uh, talk about a natural. You throw that name around, but, man, Brad Armstrong was a natural. Yes, he was. And as I was saying, a really nice guy. He might have been in the top five of the, all the wrestlers I met. So while the Freebirds are driving that Lincoln Continental, the Dream says he'll be dropping a water bomb on them from the Learjet above, baby. So Dusty Rhodes says, you guys can pimp that Lincoln Continental, but I'm riding a Learjet right above you guys. Dusty lets them know who's in charge. Yeah, I, I, I wrote here. And who I'm gonna, who I'm gonna, is the main event? <laughs> that's right. I am the main event, baby. I'm dropping an F-bomb here. Fair warning, guys. I wrote here in my notes, Dusty Rhodes here. Next fucking level is the American dream. You guys have a top-of-the-line car, but while you guys are thinking cars, I'm up in the sky in the jet. Unbelievable <laughs> promo from Dusty Rhodes. Like you said, letting everybody knows where he's at on the card. That's and why he is the dream. It almost felt like a shot at Michael Hayes. Like, you remember where you're at now. Don't get, don't get too big for your britches. That's right, my man. <laughs> We've already heard from Dusty once or twice, but I don't think too many people will complain if we hear from Dusty one more time. We've heard him talk about Tony Atlas, and now we go back in time again. Dusty Rhodes going to cut a promo with the perhaps the next World Heavyweight Champion, Tony Atlas. Because these two men took on what have to be two of the toughest men in professional wrestling, Harley Race and Ole Anderson. God, you know you say these two men, but let me tell you something. I don't care what, whatever you be thinking about, whatever color, whatever race y'all, right here, this man, Tony Atlas, my main man, he know the secret now. He felt the, the roar from the crowd. He felt the emotion you get for pinning Harley Race. And once you pin Harley Race, it can be done. I've done it. He can do it. This is his time. And I'm not going to mess up your TV with my ugly face because this man is going to be your, whether he's black or not, world's champion, daddy. There you have it, the comments from a really, truly great individual, Dusty Rhodes. And 
Of course, what Dusty is referring to is that when Dusty Rhodes and Tony Atlas took on Harley Race and Ole Anderson in an Australian tag team match, it was Tony Atlas who scored a pinfall uh, over the world heavyweight champion Harley Race. Obviously, that did not win him the title, but it did win you the satisfaction. No, you can pin the man. Yes, sir. You know, to pin Harley Race is uh, a great deal of enjoyment for me. I want to take this moment to thank Dusty Rhodes. You know, Dusty Rhodes stepped in and he said, Atlas, if you need a partner, if you need ever need somebody, I'm going to be there with you and Dusty was there with me all the way through the end you know if it wasn't for Dusty Rose there'll be no way that I would have whooped Harley Race with Ole Anderson in that ring so I just want to thank my main man Dusty for his comments thank main man Dusty for his help and everything and at Harley Race I got something to tell you brother whether it be the 23rd in Columbus Ohio whether it be in the Omni I don't care where it may be at I'm gonna have to get to Harley Race I'm gonna get in the ring and I'm gonna have to do it to it like Sonny Pruitt I'm gonna put a whooping on him I don't care if if it's February the 8th here in Omni, I don't care if it's the 23rd in Columbus, Ohio. It makes me no never man. All I want is Holly Race, Holly Race. The time gonna come with no longer the Georgia belt be laying on my shoulder, but the world's belt. Ain't nothing gonna stop me from being the first black heavyweight champion of the world. Dusty Rose told me to go out and get it. The people of Georgia told me to go and get it. And most of all, my mama said, go get it, son. All right, and there was Dusty Rhodes talking about Tony Atlas pinning Harley Race at the January 16th Omni Show, and now we learn that Tony Atlas will challenge Harley Race for the NWA world title on February the 8th, once again back in the Omni. So Dusty referring to Tony Atlas here as the first black heavyweight champion of the world. As Atlas thanks Dusty for holding Ole off so that he could get the job done pinning Harley Race back just uh, last night at the Omni and Tony Atlas closing the uh, promo saying that his mama said, go on and get it, son. It just felt legitimate coming from Tony Atlas. He seems like a mama's boy. He seems like, and I don't mean that in a derogative way at all. It, it just felt real. Have you ever read his book? I've only seen his shoot, and I don't know if I've read his book. I've read so many books. I'd have to start reading it to remember he, if I did or not. He really lived a tough life. I remember him kid. going through some things. Uh, they, they it, did, I mean, I'm talking about young Tony. He basically... Right kind of had to raise his brothers and sisters and they had dirt floors and right. Yeah. I remember it that. It sounded like he came from real poverty and, and overcame a lot. Yeah. That, that he did. And it's just really cool here. It's, it's just a really great feeling though, the way Tony cut that promo and just that, that support from his mom. It seems like that's all Tony needed to really set him off. He, he's ready to go. He can do it. I mean, it would have been a nice touch if they could have got mama Atlas. Oh, that would have been may, cool. May, maybe to, to come on into the studio. Yeah, kind of like Tommy Rich's mom, right? Right. Except for she doesn't have to get attacked by Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, show rolls on. We get a VTR. Now, remember, he's not allowed in the studio, at least not yet. A VTR again this week from Ole Anderson. Situation, and it turns out that uh, Ole Anderson was uh, somewhat less than pleased uh, uh, with the results and uh, with Harley Race as evidence right now. So let's turn to these pre-recorded comments by Ole Anderson regarding Harley Race. What does a film mean? Do you think that that film is telling the truth? You better look at it close. Have them back it up, have Rhodes, have Atlas out there, and show it to you again. You can see where they cut, where they edited. The winners of that match were Race, world champion, and Ole Anderson. There's no way, no way that anybody could beat us. But you see that Rhodes always flapping his gums. Tony Atlas always wants a chance. Well, if they ever get that chance, they're going to find out that Harley Race is still going to be world champion. 
I think that Harry and I got the raw end of everything. We ought to have a chance maybe to go after him again. But as world champion, Harley's got a lot of commitments. So I guess I'm just going to have to go back and put that Minnesota wrecking crew together once again. That's right. Bring back Gene. Gene and Ole Anderson, the Minnesota wrecking crew. Everybody knows, everybody remembers that there wasn't a tag team around that could beat us. I don't mean any tag team around. I don't care who you put together. Put Dusty Rhodes, Tony Atlas. Put Dusty Rhodes, Dick Slater. Put Dusty Rhodes, wrestling number two. Any combination that you want to put against us, and we're going to come out on top. You can think that I'm just talking a little bit, but you know for a long, long time, Gene and I were world tag team champions, just like Race is a world champion. So everybody goes around, they talk about how they can beat us. Well, if they can, how come they don't have the belts? How come Tony Atlas isn't world champion if he's so good? How come he doesn't have the belt if he can beat Harley Race? Well, the answer is simple, and anybody knows it. He's just not good enough. How come Dusty Rhodes in wrestling, too, don't have the world tag team belts if they're so good, if they could beat us? Well, they can't beat us. If we meet them, wherever it might be, whether it's in Florida or it's in Chattanooga or it's in Columbus, Ohio, we're going to get ready. And when I think about wrestling number two, I think it's about time that somebody took that mask off. Now, for a long, long while, his whole career has been predicated on that mask. Without it, he doesn't have anything. Well, come the Omni, we're going to have a chance, a chance to see what wrestling number two can do by himself. No partners, no help. Come on, wrestling two. Let's take that mask off and see what you look like. And, of course, you, you would expect this from him, Jamie. Ole Anderson claiming that the Omni film was edited and that Race and Ole actually won the match. I don't know if anybody buys that story. Should Dusty Rhodes or Tony Atlas ever get the chance, Harley Race will still be the world champion on the other side of that matchup, as the NWA world champion Harley Race has a lot of commitments, says Anderson. So Ole is bringing back Gene, his brother Gene Anderson, to reform the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Ole says he needs a partner, and who better than Gene? Nobody has ever beaten them as a team, Boy, he must have a short memory there. I think I think Gene lost a loser leaves match, tag team match, just uh, last fall. But that's what heels do; they forget things. And and Oli uh, even uh, claiming that the film footage was doctored. Why, in fact, it was Race and Oli who won the match at the Omni yesterday. But um, Oli claims that the Minnesota Wrecking Crew they'll be back in action very soon, and they'll beat everyone on the list: Dusty Rhodes, Tony Atlas, Wrestling Two, and beyond. Oli's never lied in his life, so I believe him here. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, Ole Anderson talking about uh, getting the job done. He's going to bring Gene back into town. We know the Minnesota Wrecking Crew apparently are right around the corner. Uh, they're going to do some damage. He's uh, looking for the big guns. Even talking about unmasking Mr. Wrestling 2 in an upcoming matchup on February 8th in the Omni. Everybody wants to pick on Wrestling 2. You ever notice that? Yeah, well, it was it was Tony Atlas at the beginning of the year, and now Wrestling 2 seems to be getting it as well. Dusty's smart. He's only coming in and out, so they're not really messing with him as much. No, and he positions himself on top. And as the, the show goes on, uh, really weird here, as Gordon Soley narrates what he presumes was the promo that we just heard from Ole Anderson. Soley states that Ole was blaming Harley Race for the loss. And, and apparently Ole Anderson is at odds with Harley Race. 
which isn't even remotely close to anything that Ole Anderson was saying. If anything, Ole was defending Harley Race here, uh, putting him over, stating that they didn't really lose the match, saying that Harley's really busy defending the title, but should he wrestle Dusty or Atlas, Harley will get the win, and even stating that he's going to bring Gene back into team with him because Race is a busy man. But we cut back to Gordon Soley, who clearly didn't watch the film and apparently had a different script or he was told something completely different or and they went a different way. This is just really odd, and it doesn't end here either, but I wanted to get your take. I don't know if you noticed this. Really confusing. I had to watch it twice to make sure I wasn't going crazy, but Gordon Sully talking about something that, that never even happens. I don't know. It, it just must have been one of those moments. And it continues on here. Uh, and we'll talk about this on the other side again. Uh, we heard from Ole Anderson. Now we're going to hear from the other partner in that matchup of Ole's. This time it's the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Harley Race. He's going to talk about doing the job, losing the match to Tony Atlas. Well, we've heard those comments now from Ole Anderson. Uh, Harley Race, the World Heavyweight Champion, had his comments too. So uh, at this time, uh, let's listen to these comments from Harley Race. I can't really understand why that this thing was put together. I cannot really understand why that I was dumb enough to get involved in it. But I did. And coming out of it, Ole Anderson and myself did a fairly decent job of pounding the living you-know-what out of two individuals. Like I said before, Atlas, you're going to be mine somewhere. I'm going to take you and I'm going to prove to the people especially to you yourself, Tony Atlas, that those big blowing up balloons are just exactly that hot air. Because you're not going to intimidate me and get by with it. You may thought you cut a big fat you-know-what, but I'll guarantee you you're going to pay for what you've done. You're going to pay the price that any individual has had to pay any time they come in the ring with the thought in mind of intimidating me and embarrassing me in front of a bunch of people. Atlas, I'm going to pound on you. I'm going to put something on you that Ajax won't remove, buddy. I don't care whether it be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Columbus, Ohio, right here in the Omni, or any other place around the world. The world's champion is after Tony Atlas. The coin has done turned over, buddy. I'm coming after you, and I'm going to have you. I'm going to put you right back in that airport doing the work that you're used to doing. Well, there you have the comments from the world heavyweight champion, Harley Race, obviously a very, very embittered man. So Harley's stating there, he admits that as world champion, he he really doesn't understand why he was dumb enough to get involved into a tag team match. That wasn't his cup of tea. He's the world champion after all, Jamie. What was he even doing in that matchup? And now here he is suffering a loss to Tony Atlas. But Ray says somewhere in some place, Harley will get a hold of Tony and prove to the fans and Atlas that he can beat him. Atlas will pay. Nobody embarrasses Harley Race. And clearly something not even acceptable in 1981 was edited out of this promo. Harley Race said some words, had some choice words for Tony Atlas, and even in 81 standards, edited out here. 
Yeah, and you know that's saying a lot back then because standards were totally different. And even if you go a couple years in in advance, when Leroy Brown and uh, Butch Reed and even Atlas again with Ric Flair, there are some rough comments. And so imagine how bad these comments must have been if they yeah, were. Yeah, I can't imagine blanking them out at that point. Right, because I, I fast forward all the way to 1989 and some of the stuff that Gary Hart and Michael Hayes were saying in 1989 on TBS, and that was in the Turner-owned era. On top of that, so right, yeah, just, and, and that's why um, you know Watts gets fired for some comments uh, sure. that Hank Aaron gets uh, wind of through the Wrestling Torch. And, and, you know, the, Harley's no stranger to cutting these type of promos. You know, he made comments like that during the Lex Luger-Ron Simmons feud, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It's a shame that they were going toward the Tony Atlas thing at this time. I think the better ending would have had Race and Ole have a fallen out and have a one-off. Oh, that would have been with, fun. With neither being a face. Right. No, right, right. No, that would have been really good. I would, you know, I don't know if that match ever happened. You'd think over all the years it probably did. But man, uh, just uh, uh, as a showcase here in the early 80s, would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, the show that um, the champ takes on all comers. And I want to be clear, they both have to be heels in that situation because I don't want to see uh, Babyface, Harley Race, or Ole. No, exactly. Both have to be heels. And it's kind of funny you said that, Jamie, because listen to these promos, or from Gordon Soley, I mean, because listen again at the end of that soundbite with Harley Race. Again, Gordon Soley claiming... Uh, he heard a completely different promo than we did, claiming that Harley Race had comments towards Ole Anderson. But I don't even think he mentioned Ole Anderson during that entire promo, mostly talking about Tony Atlas and clearly whatever storyline Gordon was fed leading into this did not come to fruition. And it makes you wonder, listen to that promo from Race. He says, whenever, wherever, when I get the opportunity to wrestle you, Tony Atlas. Meanwhile, they're promoting a match already between Atlas and Race at the Omni on February 8th. So it makes me feel like maybe the initial plan here originally was for Harley Race to wrestle Ole Anderson. And that's what Gordon Soley was fed to, to talk about, because he, he's referencing promos that clearly don't even take place here. Right. And he's probably not watching the monitor. He's probably sipping his vodka at that point. <laughs> There's probably some uh, orange juice in there, too. Uh, Come on. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll give Gordon the benefit of the doubt. He just got off the plane. But, um, yeah. Maybe Gordon was fed the wrong uh, script since he since it came out twice. Right. Yeah. It's it's just really odd, and it makes you really think that maybe February eighth originally was going to be Harley Race taking on Ole Anderson, which again would have been pretty damn cool. But instead, they they maneuvered some things around and and they bumped up the Tony Atlas title match, which seemed inevitable anyway. He pinned Harley Race, so he deserves that title shot. But just really interesting. Some food for thought there. You don't normally yeah. see something like that happen. No, not really. Especially from Gordon. You don't expect that. Exactly. Show continues on as we see the arrival of the Junkyard Dog in the Georgia Territory. JYD going to score the win over Joe Powell with the thump, the power slam. Going to get the win here in 39 seconds. Let's listen really quickly to the JYD. There you have it, the Junkyard Dog. I'm following some so-called guys around here. I'm not here for a reason. I'm here for the entire season. All these guys are running rough shot over Georgia. The dog going to take care of a lot of business in this area. Ooh, and I think he will indeed. I think he will. We'll be back. All right, there it is. Uh, really nothing to that promo, but the dog is here, Jamie. JYD in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And you know what that means. It's <laughs> Bill Watts time. He's walking tall behind the scene. Carrying a two-by-four. 
even though Fuller's still the you know technically the Booker here, uh, it, it's more the Bill Watts influence with JYD arriving. Yeah, and and the the story from Mid South between the Birds and JYD will follow over here. That's something else I like. You talked about it uh, a week or two ago on TV where they ran down the Fuller family and they they put all the ties together to everything that was going on and in, in in the history of the Fuller and Welch family and everything like that. And uh, here we are this week. Uh, well, not this week yet, but soon we're going to start referencing past history and other promotions. And not only referencing, seeing past history. Right. And other promotions. Oh, yeah. Another good call, which I wonder where they got that footage from. Bill Watts. <laughs> exactly. Show goes on. Up next, it's a promo from, well, the disheveled Robert Fuller, no doubt, along with Ted DiBiase. They're going to talk about losing their matchup against the Freebirds last night at the Omni and also Robert Fuller losing at Lincoln Continental. DiBiase, obviously a very uh, disappointed pair of competitors. And, uh, uh, Robert, you're without your town car. Yeah, and uh, not much sentiment that I can give you on that, Gordon. It's just uh, the way I feel, I can't really express myself clearly on television. We were taken advantage of three on, three on one is the way that it ended up because Ted was out on the floor. He had two of them to deal with, and then they all wound up on me. I know you have some VTR to show on it, and I think it'd be a lot easier to explain it watching this VTR than to stand here and just talk about it now. Fair enough. Uh, if we can, we'll move to the uh, Omni and, of course, the uh, situation that did occur, the National Television Championship, uh, uh, the Tag Team Championship, rather, on the line, the Freebirds against Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase. A double atomic drop on him, and we've got complete control. One thing we might mention, if, you, if I might interrupt you, Ted, is that we, we challenged Freebirds for the car. These are two men were supposed to be wrestling Freebirds. You're going to see it very shortly turn into three. Now, this is where we thought the no disqualification would benefit us, that Hayes wouldn't be able to get the match stopped. But in, in all essence, it, it, it didn't benefit us at all. It, it turned against us because we wind up with rules where the referee has no rights to do anything but count down shoulders. And that means that Hayes could get involved, and that he did. Now, you see, they nailed... At that point, Ted from the outside, and they they took Ted and they ran him into the pole down there, the two of them together. Now, you see, that just leaves me in a situation to wrestle three guys. I got my holds again, and I'm figuring somebody asked this man, does he give up? And about this time, then uh, the three of them end up on me. Now, what they did here, they grabbed hold of each side of my legs and drove me in the mat as hard as they could. And I'm, at that time, I'm on the outside. I'm on the floor trying to get my head together and my senses together. And by the time I came up, uh, it was over. They had counted Robert's shoulders down. When I got up, I didn't. I was unaware of the situation. I saw them with their hands in the air, and Robert laid out, and I knew, I knew that something had happened. And again, I just come in. I I, I jumped on all three of them. I, I I didn't care. I was willing to to just do anything and everything that I could to get them. Now, there they go, three on one. I went out and I got an equalizer and I came back in. And when I evened up the, uh, the odds a little bit with the equalizer, they did what they usually do. They took off and they ran. And that's the way they've been doing it. And they're going to continue to run. one man in there, even if you've got a chair, you think your three guys could handle one man. But that's where they got the name Birds, I think, because they fly out so easily after they three on one. They flocked on me a little while, then they figure they can get on out of there and drive my car out 
And I'll tell you, they can go ahead and just enjoy that car because they're going to be riding in an ambulance. It's going to be somewhat like it because I'm not going to be taking this thing lightly. That's why I'm out here with the injury that I got right now because I am determined. And I'm determined that Ted and I are not only going to have a car, we're not only going to have money, we're not only going to have belts that you guys have, but we're going to have your tails too. And I guarantee you that. You know, Gordon, I went to Paul Jones without talking to Robert. I went to Paul Jones and I said, look, it's obvious the people all the way across the country just watched that piece of film and they can tell by looking at that piece of film that if it had been just a two-on-two, we had both men down in submission holes, we would be the national tag team champions. But if is a very big little word. You know it, everybody knows it. But I've got enough confidence in myself and in Robert. I'm wearing this headgear. His neck is in a brace right now. I told Paul Jones I will put up $10,000 of my own money. Now, Gordon, I'm not a rich man. I've made a pretty good living in this business, but I am not a rich man, but I got together $10,000. Well, I heard what Michael Hayes had to say. Well, you know, the car is worth more than that. $10,000 is not enough. Well, we scraped together $5,000 more. Now it is $15,000, and we are willing to put up $15,000 against the car, against Robert's car, to get them back in the ring and to get that car back. Now, I don't go ahead and I don't stick my neck out too often and make promises and guarantees, but I'll promise you this. We will win. Well, let's cer certainly hope so, and That's I might just promise. point out... We will win. Tonight, of course, uh, everybody's wondering, are you going to be uh, able to compete? Yes, I'm going to be able to compete. That's why I'm here. I'm going to go right in the ring and compete right now. But I want to make that statement. The money is up to the Freebirds. We're going to have somebody looking over that shoulder. We are going to change that situation. As far as Chattanooga goes or Columbus, Ohio, the Freebirds have some heavy dues to pay. We're not the only people here who can get hurt. And you can understand that somebody else can be hurt. And somebody else is going to be hurt, and there ain't going to be when you cars or nothing else involved. No DQ, it don't make people, any difference. Robert, when you deal with people like the Freebirds, you got to have an extra set of eyes in the back of your head. Freebirds, you better be looking over your shoulder, and you better be looking around every corner in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in Columbus, Ohio, or wherever it may be, because we are not through yet. And uh, there it was, and uh, for those who haven't seen this promo, Robert Fuller wearing a neck brace after that triple team pile driver at the hands of the Freebirds the night before, and Ted DiBiase carrying headgear because he had his ear injured in a recent match against the Freebirds as well, so they're maiming everyone left and right as uh, we're treated to a VTR from the Omni there during that promo. The Freebirds taking on Fuller and DiBiase in that no-DQ matchup. It was Hayes breaking up the pinfalls, which was totally legal, Jamie, because it was no-DQ, something Fuller and DiBiase wanted. Ted DiBiase then gets posted on the outside, Fuller getting triple stuff pile driver there and the Freebirds securing the win, retaining the titles and winning that uh, Lincoln Continental Town Car. The brilliance of Michael Hayes. There it is. And uh, Fuller says, you know, we outsmarted ourselves. We thought no disqualification. We knew we could be ready for Hayes, but apparently not. And the Freebirds retained the belts. Ted DiBiase, uh, the birds touched on it earlier. DiBiase offering to put up $10,000. Uh, and I love the line here. Did you catch it? DiBiase stating that I'm not a rich man. I had to laugh at that. The million dollar man professing that I am not a rich man here in this promo in 1981. But they scraped together another $5,000 and they're offering up $15,000 now for Fuller's Lincoln Continental car. Fifteen grand versus the town car in a rematch with the Freebirds. Yeah, he got the ten grand because Dusty Rhodes paid him off so he, he could get the belt in June. 
Yeah, you don't you don't need that uh, world championship title. Just carry it out around everywhere. But let me give you ten grand. Here's ten grand right now. Better. There you go. Instead of the ten pounds of gold, here's your ten grand in gold. How about that, baby? And you could become a million dollar man someday, like Dusty yeah, Rhodes. Yeah, if, if you invest right, baby, maybe someday you become a million dollar man like me, if you will. <laughs> I can I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Show goes on. Uh, we see the team of Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller in the ring scoring a win over Bobby Eaton and Bobby Garrett. As we head to the next promo, we see Tony Atlas setting up his world bench press record here. He's uh, getting ready to bench press, I don't know, over 500 pounds, I think, uh, to start with. But he plans to break the record here uh, in just a moment here on TV. As uh, we get a promo now, as Tony Atlas over to the side, uh, Gordon Soley standing by with the Stomper and Don Carson. The Stomper's uh, hand being held up in victory. And I'm sure that Mr. Carson has more to say. As I said, of course, in a few moments, we'll be watching Tony Atlas uh, attempting to break a world record in uh, bench pressing for professional wrestlers. But right now, Mr. Carson uh, has joined us again. Did you check the time, Gordon? Well, I'm sure you did, sir. Yes, I did. And you know it was less than two minutes. And the only reason that it went two minutes is the Mongolian Stumper, the eighth one of the world, wanted to get warmed up just a little bit. You know, it'd be, it would be great if we had someone, somewhere. Well, think, we just had a I near accident that, here. The, yeah, I think that Mr. Atlas just dropped his little Waterloo. Now, going on to bigger and better things, the Mongolian Stumper, the eighth wonder of the world. He's the greatest wrestler that has ever lived. There's none better, not even including the world champion. If and when he goes up against the world champion, he will be the world champion. He will have the championship belts along with the national champion. He will have every championship belt. I predict one year from now, he will have every championship belt that has ever been. You're that confident about everything. This man is the greatest wrestling machine I have ever seen in my whole life. And pretty soon, he'll be in your area. This man... Well, the Mongolian All right, Mr. Carson, first of all, you made a comment a moment ago that uh, I want to tell you something about. You have repeatedly called the Mongolian Stomper the eighth wonder of the world. Andre the Giant from Grenoble, France, is in fact the eighth wonder of the world. Andre the Giant has heard about your comments in calling this man the eighth wonder of the world and has issued a challenge to the Mongolian Stomper to settle this issue as to who is the eighth wonder. And I immediately accepted that challenge. Listen, Gordon Soley, it will be proven once and once for all that the Mongolian Stomper is the eighth one of the world, and he will defeat Andre the Giant. He will. Yes, he will. Very, very easily. All right. Now, on Sunday, February 8th, Sunday, February 8th, wrestling returns to the Omni in Atlanta. And are you prepared, sir, to take that kind of a challenge? I am prepared. The Mongolian Stomper is ready not only for February the 8th, 
You know, you hear guys say, I got to get in shape for this one. No, he stays in shape. He stays ready. He stays ready to go. And when I told him that he was going up against the eighth one of the world, so-called, it made him furiated. It made him hot. He was very, very angry. I'm telling you, Gordon, the hottest man that I've ever seen in my life was this one right here when I told him what match he had on February the 8th. Now then... Andre, I want to tell you something. You better back out of this one. You better back out of it. I don't care if it's a giant or I don't care if it's this muscle head over here. Tony, wait a minute. The stopper oh, is just attacked. said that. Tony Atlas has that 400 pounds on his... Uh, and it is the stopper after Tony Atlas driving him over. Atlas is... Somebody has to do something here. Charlie Cook trying to break this up now as Don Carson and uh, the stomper both after Tony Atlas. He's taken about 400 and some odd pounds. Atlas is down and hurt. How badly hurt? I don't know. Hey. Well, we've got to get order restored here. We'll be back. We'll... Tony Atlas and we'll... we'll be back in just a couple of moments. We'll be back, please. Don Carson professing that the stomper is the future NWA World Heavyweight Champion, but then again, who isn't uh, if you listen to him talk here on uh, TV? And uh, also, once again, referring to the Stomper as the eighth wonder of the world, which apparently solely informs that Andre the Giant has an issue with. He doesn't, he's taken exception to that uh, nickname here from the Stomper, the eighth wonder of the world. Andre apparently has issued a challenge to the national heavyweight champion for that namesake of the eighth wonder of the world. It's going to be Andre taking on the Stomper. February 8th in the Omni. What was Don Carson thinking by calling him the eighth one of the world? Well, it's almost like he, he wanted this to happen. He probably did. Carson was a uh, very shrewd individual. He knew he could make a few bucks off Andre. Certainly did. Uh, also, uh, during that soundbite, you guys, mid-promo, the Stomper, if you guys wondered what happened, running over and attacking Tony Atlas, who was uh, setting up his weights for the uh, weightlifting record, Laying the weight bench on top of uh, poor Tony there, shoving spotter Charlie Cook, Charlie Cook being the spotter this week, shoving him to the side like yesterday's news, and then just taking Tony Atlas down to the ground and dumping the weight bench and everything on it right on top of poor Tony Atlas. And uh, we get a shot there of uh, the weights just laying across the lifeless body of Tony Atlas. Now, it doesn't stay lifeless for long, but then the stomper, earning his namesake, stomping down on poor Tony Atlas, and Don Carson with some cheap shots there, too. So if it wasn't enough, uh, Tony Atlas had enough to deal with. Harley Race, Ole Anderson. Now the Stomper getting involved here, attacking him uh, before his upcoming weightlifting record, dumping the, the weights all over top of Tony Atlas. Something could have went really wrong there. See, you could tell Tony was really under stress because he totally forgot that only seven or eight months earlier that the same thing happened in Allentown, Pennsylvania, when he did this same exact thing and Ken Patera attacked him. I, I, maybe when the Patera attacked him, it totally you know, hit him in the head and he forgot maybe, all yeah, that. Yeah, maybe a barbell hit him in the head, maybe, you know, dumbbell. I'm not talking about Tony Atlas. I'm talking about the weight. Come on, guys. But it, yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting. I, I, these, I mean, the storylines, these guys, they fall for the same thing twice. So more, more often than not. It's just like a cake of pro wrestling. If you see barbells coming out and a good guy is going to do, you know, lift the weights, you know how it's going to end. If a bad guy does it, you know that they cheated to get the weight up. 
Yeah, uh, I really wish somebody would have dumped some weights on Dino Bravo at Royal Rumble '88. That that <laughs> that that angle went on. That, that segment went on for absolutely too long. I think like twenty minutes. Yeah, Jesse there to keep it going. <laughs> I suppose. Show goes on, and if you thought Tony Atlas would be stretchered out after having weights five hundred pounds plus dumped all over his body, well, you guys thought wrong. Coming back from break, we get a promo from Tony Atlas, and boy is he mad. Passed hey, over, Tony. You let me tell you something, Hollywood. I don't care, man. I ain't did nothing to the stopper. I ain't did nothing to spurn off. I ain't did a damn thing, the only answer. Everybody trying to stop me. Well, you let me tell you something, man. Ain't nobody gonna stop me from doing what I want to do. I worked for what I did, man. Nobody gave me nothing. Stopper, the due time gonna come, man. And I'm gonna get there, Hollywood. Nobody gonna stop me from being world champion. I gotta be world champion. Ain't no damn spurn off for nobody else, man. I think now, I think now we can see uh, just, just how badly uh, Tony Atlas wants that World Heavyweight Championship. And, uh, well, uh, I certainly wouldn't want to be the Mongolian stomper because obviously Tony Atlas is going to settle that score. And Tony Atlas, I feel sure, one day will become the world champion. That's all the time we have for this uh, hour. We'll see you next time. Tony Atlas is hot. He's getting sick of this, Jamie. He didn't do anything to Alexis Smirnoff. He didn't do anything to the Stomper. He didn't even do anything to Ole Anderson. Everybody coming for Tony Atlas. But ain't nobody going to stop him from being the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And Gordon Sully adding that the Stomper will indeed pay for what he just did to Mr. USA. I mean, with all the stuff Atlas has gone through here, if you're in Atlanta in 1981, you really have to think that he's going to get the belt. Yeah, I mean, and he's, it's like you say, he's got so many people gunning for him, and he's losing his mind. And again, he goes back to that emotional promo again here this week. He's sick of this. What is going on? It's almost in tears again this week. It's not a rage. It's more of a, what do I have to do here? I keep trying to get ahead and everybody trying to hold me down, but I'm not going to let anybody hold me down. And I'm coming for that world title. You just summed that up perfectly. And that's it. We're going to wrap it up this week for the January 17th edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling Television. And right now we're going to take a look at a slew of house show results over the next week before we get into the next week of tapings. And it is January 17th, Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Memorial Auditorium on the card. Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts defeating the team of Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller still can't get the job done. And upcoming in the main event, woo, listen to this, Dusty Rhodes scoring the win, was there ever any doubt, in that bull rope match over Ole Anderson there in Chattanooga, as we're off to Marietta, Georgia, in the Cobb County Civic Center. wonder if Big Boss Man was in attendance for this. January the 18th sees the Freebirds again, this time defeating the team of Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase in a Texas Tornado match. So the Freebirds just seem to have Fuller and DiBiase's number. Also on the card, Wrestling 2, defeating national champion Mongolian Stomper. That's the only result I have. I don't know if it was disqualification, countout. Not sure if the title wasn't on the line, but it says Wrestling 2 over the Stomper there. Also on the card, Steve-O continues to defeat the former TV champion Kevin Sullivan. Moving on to January 19th, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. It's Ted Oates over Bobby Eaton on the undercard. Bobby Eaton doing a job to Ted Oates. They were Georgia boys, the Oates brothers, right? That is true. That's true. I get so used to them wrestling in central states that I forget where they came from. Yeah, I mean, that match with the Freebirds, uh, was it this week, last week? On um, TV, right. On TV is really like, 
a very interesting main event type style match because the the Oates the Oates brothers were um, pushed. Right, they didn't do a job. It was I believe it was a DQ if I remember correctly, and right, they escaped without taking that that triple pile driver. Exactly. So we go back to Augusta. It was Ted Oates over Bobby Eaton, Kevin Sullivan going to a no contest with Steve Kern in a Boston street fight. Tell me, Jamie, how do you reckon you go to a no contest in a street fight? Both of them fall out the back door, and that was the end of the match. I was I was going to say, do they both just collapse in the ring, and you have to end the match? Because it's anything I can come up with, but I just don't see them doing a finish like that in the middle of a show, but maybe I'm wrong. Also on the card, it's all three Freebirds, six-man tag team action. Might be the first time we've seen this on a house show this year. It's Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, Buddy Roberts defeating the trio of Mr. Wrestling 2, Ted DiBiase, and Robert Fuller. And in the main event, Tony Atlas going over on the Mongolian Stomper, the national heavyweight champion Stomper. It's the Georgia champion, Tony Atlas, getting the win there on a disqualification. So champion versus champion headlines the card there in Augusta. Pretty cool card. Oh, yeah, I would have liked to have been there. Moving along, January 21st, Columbus, Georgia at the Memorial Auditorium. Some fun matches here. Sees Steve-O, the new TV champion, Steve-O, defeating former champion Kevin Sullivan, national champion Mongolian Stomper over Mr. Wrestling 2. Take that, too. And another six-man tag team match this time sees Robert Fuller, Tony Atlas, and Ted DiBiase defeating all three Freebirds, Gordy, Roberts, and Hayes. And, of course, since it's a six-man tag, the titles don't change hands, so the birds can job all they want in these six-man tag team matches. And it's still a rarity that they come up on a short end. Right. Now, that's true, but uh, you'd think you'd see it more often than not, considering that the titles aren't on the line, but they really protect the Freebirds. Yeah. But we'll see another loss here again the following night, January 22nd in Buford, Georgia. Not sure I know where that's at, but it's Steve-O again defeating Kevin Sullivan on the undercard, and then in the main event once more, Ted DiBiase, Robert Fuller, Tony Atlas defeating all three Freebirds, one more house show here this week, January 23rd, Columbus, Ohio, this time at the Ohio Center. Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase over the Freebirds on a disqualification. Mr. Wrestling 2 teaming with Dusty Rhodes to defeat the team of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Wow. They say they never lost a match, and here it is, Wrestling 2 and Dusty defeating Gene and Ole Anderson. And in the main event, NWA World Champion Harley Race wrestling Tony Atlas to a no contest. And if you guys follow along online, if you want to look up, and I plan to post them myself on the WrestleCopia website, but if you guys can find the house show results for the Georgia Territory during this time frame, every time they head up to Ohio, they were really trying to do something there and claim that area because every time they went up there, they gave the fans there a little bit of different uh, different matches. They, they would bring Dusty Rhodes uh, specifically in for a lot of the Columbus, Ohio shows, uh, gimmick matches and things like that. So it was really interesting what they were doing there in Columbus at this point. And that continues all through 81. Right. And that'll finish up the house shows for this week as we head into a new episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling Television here for January 24th at WTBS Studios. Some of the matches on the card, Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller over the Gladiators, whoever they are, National Television Champion Steve-O defeating Chick Donovan, the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian stomper, over Mike Lewis. Almost read Mark Lewin there. That would have been a no-no. Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas defeating Dave Stanley. Kevin Sullivan over Rick Craven. Steve Kern defeating Abdul Sattar. Buddy Roberts of the Freebirds over Gerald Finley. Bobby Eaton back on the winning side of things, defeating Ken Timms this week. And Mr. Wrestling 2 scoring a win over the Turk, who shows up for Georgia TV this week. 
All right, and from there, we're going to jump into the meat of the show, Jamie, and we're going to take a look at the Minnesota Wrecking Crew back here in Georgia. It's Ole and Gene Anderson over Charlie Cook and Jimmy Jones. So the Andersons on probation at TV, it would seem, specifically interview segments after repeated altercations in recent weeks. And uh, this marks the return of Ole Anderson to the studio after that brawl with Tony Atlas a few weeks back, along with the TV return of Gene Anderson as well, who hasn't been seen since the Thanksgiving Omni card featuring the tag team title tournament. Now, technically, Gene left Georgia after a loser leaves the fall match way back in, I think it was September, if I do remember correctly. And it was Cowboy Bill Watson, Uvalde Slim, Mr. Dusty Rhodes, under a mask, baby. Uh, they defeated the team of Ole and Gene. Of course, Gene taking the fall back in September. Now, he did return for that Thanksgiving night tournament, but I guess they had to bolster the field, I suppose, is all they were doing there. So regardless, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew back in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And now Ole has a partner he can trust, not like that Harley race who let him down in, on the 16th of January. Well, I hope Gene was paying attention because the question is, can he trust Ole? Remember Ole turning on brother Lars, or at least having some issues there with Lars, sending him out of the company back in the fall as well. You can't really trust Ole Anderson. Now, Ole Anderson's a no-good, egg-sucking dog, in the words of Terry Funk. <laughs> so we saw the attempt last week, and it was thwarted by the Mongolian Stomper and Don Carson, but Tony Atlas back this week to set a bench press record with two spotters this time around, and rather than Charlie Cook on his side like he had last week, Gordon Soley informs us that it's Robert Blunt and John Paul Gideon of Doc's Gym, must have been the local hangout for Tony Atlas here in Atlanta. So Tony going to do the bench press attempt again here this week after uh, being attacked by the stomper last week. And Tony going to do some quote unquote warming up here, Jamie, with a quick and easy for him, 405 pounds and no issue there. As we pick up commentary now, it's Tony Atlas going to do 505 pounds on the bench. And I encourage everyone to take a close listen to Gordon Soley here on the call. At 405 pounds, now they'll be adding uh, more weight. We'll just kind of wander over here and see if we can find out uh, how much more he's going to be putting on. You're going to go 505. Okay, he's going to go 505 pounds, and they're putting it on now. He'll be attempting 505 pounds. Now, it's very necessary to psych yourself uh, up uh, mentally and emotionally as well as having yourself physically ready. Tony again, uh, loosening up. All right, addressing himself to the bench. Once again, it requires intense concentration. So I'm going to uh, lower my voice now as we get set to watch this. All right, let's stand by. All right, watch it. It's two-point men now. All right. Let's have as much quiet as possible, please. Let's have it as quiet as we can. Let's watch him now very carefully. All right, he's going to try it. Psyching himself on that bench. All right. Conversation going on between the point man. The point man is very important when somebody attempts... Uh, All right, he's got it up. 505 once. He's trying a second time. 
He's made it. Those elbows locked, and he did it. 505 pounds and two. Two reps. Gordon, I decided to do it twice because I disappointed the people last time because of that good-for-nothing Mongolian stomper. So I decided to do 505 twice to make up for not doing it last week. Well, and he made up for it, in fact. I'll tell you the truth. 505 pounds, two repetitions on that. So Tony Atlas, and again, our thanks to uh, Robert Blunt and John Paul Gideon and Doc's Jim for all of their help and cooperation. Gordon is amazing here. Those elbows locked, and he did it. He made this feel legitimate, Jamie, like a sport. Let's get it as quiet as possible in here. Of course, some of the studio doesn't listen, but Sully selling that second rep was just so awesome. And this is the kind of thing that Sully doesn't get enough credit for. And Tony Atlas does 505, not once, but twice here, two reps, to make up for not doing it last week because of that no good stomper. I think Tony was inspired by Gordon. That voice inflection that Gordon has there, it, it just made Tony lift it up for that second time, even though he had it the whole time because he was doing it for the people. Yeah, that was uh, Gordon just masterful in his delivery and his lines there. Every bit of that made that feel so legitimate. And I'm not saying the weights were gimmick because obviously they, they weren't. Tony was really pu- pushing up 505 there. But uh, Gordon just... Yeah, that, uh, looked, that looked legit to me. Yeah, Gordon just uh, added to this so much. Gordon, I mean, he takes a lot of flack for what happened later, you know, post-1983. But I still think he was on top of his game at this point. Again, I don't think he was ever in Georgia was as good as he was in Florida, but he was still very, very, very solid. Right. And uh, Tony Atlas making the comment here, he didn't do it just once. He did it twice, two reps, uh, simply because he wasn't able to get it done last week. He made it up for the people here this week because of that no good stomper. And speaking of the stomper, up next, we're going to hear from his manager, Don Carson, who feels like maybe there's one too many national champions floating around here in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Steve-O, look out. Go out there and put his little title on the line against a man. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a man that comes out here and lifts these old dumbbells and everything and lets them fall all over him. I'm talking about a man, Steve-O, that calls himself the national champion. Evidently, you're not much of a champion because this man right here will put his national title on the line to anybody that's worthy of it. Well, obviously, there are a long list of people that would like to have that national television championship. Steve-O has been defending the title, I think, with great regularity. And Then why don't you put this man's name up on top? Put his name on top of the list. Right there. That's the man that should be the national TV title right now. I'll tell you what. Let me call Steve-O in. He is standing on the sidelines here. Just let me have a word with Steve about this. Uh, obviously, they... they have a point this man's a national heavyweight champion well you know gordon i listened to him on the monitor and i've seen him wrestle before if you can call it wrestling the man definitely is one of the top contenders in the nwa and mr carson you are right if he is so good he does deserve a shot and gordon if he wants a title shot i'll sign a title shot next week in the omni tomorrow how about even on the program today hey why don't you go ahead 
You're a fine fella. Hey, listen. No, 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 no. Hey, finally we've got an American with a little bit of guts. Hey, I, I'm telling you, that's something really, really, that's good. What do you think John says? We'll talk to you in the ring right there. Is that all right with you? Very good. We don't need a time. We don't need a sign and everything. Just the ring right there. All right, all right. It's fine with me, Gordon. It's fine, fine with me. gentleman right there, Gordon. Sorry. All right, thank you. I don't you. want nobody to knock him, and we're next on the list. Okay, gentlemen, well, I'll tell you what. We'll see what... Uh... See there, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're talking about. Well, let me just check and see if we're going to have room. Well, uh, perhaps we'll be seeing that then. Both men have agreed, so perhaps we'll be seeing another national television championship match upcoming uh, in the very, very near future, perhaps uh, just a short time from now. So Don Carson doesn't think that Steve-O is much of a national champion, but the Stomper, he's the true national champion, being the heavyweight champion. So why doesn't Steve-O put his national TV title on the line against the Stomper? And then Steve-O comes out, he responds, he says, any place, any time, how about today? And it's soon confirmed, Jamie, later in the show, it will be the national TV title on the line, Steve-O defending against the national heavyweight champion, the Stomper, and you could get away with things like this only in the Georgia territory, This these uh, making last-minute uh, bookings of matches here on TV because we had two hours for it to play out over. Exactly. Did you notice in Steve-O, he must have been working out right before that uh, interview because out of breath? he was kind of out of breath for yeah, most of I, it. Yeah, I did it's notice either that. Either that or he was really nervous. <laughs> yeah, he's out there with the big boys now. He's going to have to get in the ring with the Stomper here on TV today. And right, uh, It's probably his most high-profile match since he's arrived. I have, I have to agree with that, and uh, we'll, we'll see what goes down here as the, the both men get in the ring, and it's all set for action here. As national television champion Steve Olsonowski defeats the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, on a disqualification. After Steve-O getting his arm tied in the ropes, the Stomper stomping down Steve-O, refusing, a little relentless there, is the Stomper refusing to back up while Steve-O caught in the ropes. So Olsonowski going to retain the title and defeat the Stomper here. And then post-match, Stomper laying it in more before locking in the Shinanamaki, the Cobra clutch hold, if you will, before Mr. Wrestling 2 finally out to make the save here. Gordon Soley on commentary also makes sure to note that Steve-O has now become the first person to go over four minutes with the Stomper here on TV. So Steve-O, he gets the DQ victory and a moral victory too, outlasting the Stomper's self-appointed four-minute time limit rule here that he's been beating the opponents within every week. And the monster push of Steve-O continues. The miraculous and questionable uh, monster push of Steve-O continues. That's, that's for sure. I don't know what's going on with that. We talked about that a little bit uh, earlier on. And uh, maybe there was something there. You, you mentioned Jim Barnett. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe a favorite of his. Very possibly. Up next, it's profile time on the show. Gordon Soley standing by with the Junkyard Dog. This week's profile concerns the gentleman to my left, the junkyard dog. It's as simple as that. Here's a man who uh, impressed everybody with an outstanding victory last week here on Georgia Championship Wrestling. I wonder if you'd be kind enough, however, to sort of give somebody, some of the folks who are watching right now, a brief uh, biographical sketch of your background in athletics. Well, I'm originally from North Carolina. I played college football at Fayetteville State University, and I left there, and I went to play ball with Houston, and I furthered my career up in Green Bay. And then back in the later part of 77, I was starting professional wrestling. So actually, I've been around about three and a half years. I went to Germany, I went to Canada, Louisiana. I've been I'm now in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas. And now I'm pursuing a couple of people out here in uh, Georgia. 
which I talked to a dear, very dear friend of mine, Ted DeVos. He told me a lot of things was going on here in Georgia, and he needed a little help, and a couple of other guys need some help, so I decided to come down and see what I could do. I wonder we might get some vital statistics on you, too, because you're obviously a very big and very powerful man. I'm six foot, uh, three and a half, 280 pounds. And all of that is muscle and sinew, I can guarantee you that. You know, we're talking about the situation here in the state of Georgia, and it appears to me that certainly uh, top competitors from all over the world are uh, converging on Atlanta. Yeah, you got all the top contenders out here. You know, you got the free birds in here. You got the stomping and several other guys. But I had a run-in about a year ago, maybe six or eight months ago, actually nine months ago, with the uh, fabulous free birds they call themselves, which due to the fact that I laid up for 11 weeks with uh, eye problem that they gave me, and uh, they haven't left my mind either. Well, I can certainly understand that. Naturally, you'd like to go for that national uh, championship held by the Mongolian Stomper. The Mongolian Stomper, the free birds, holler race, anybody. I'll put my name on the dotted line any time. I've noticed, too, that you have a rather unusual style. You, you enjoy using music to come into the ring, and uh, uh, you do a lot to psych out your opponent. That's the thing that you get my body to move. You know, a lot of big men can't do nothing. You know, they have to stand still, and they can't holler walk, but I get my blood uh, journaling good, and uh, I get to moving around, and like you said, it psychs out that man standing across the ring. He don't know exactly what I'm going to do, and when my blood, my blood and stuff get to flow, I get to hollering and screaming, and my mind just go all out, and I have to control myself all the time. Every time I think about some of the guys that got running through real, 11 long weeks out later without problem, couldn't see my wife, couldn't see my kid. It's three guys in here that's on the top of that list. Yeah, well, okay, uh, you heard from him. Uh, the junkyard dog, I think we're going to be hearing a lot. All right, and there it was, JYD, here uh, in dress clothes this week, not going to get in the ring. He's talking his background in amateur sports as well as pro sports as well, refers to his past in the Mid-South Territory and his issues with the fabulous Freebirds. Dog says he's coming here to help out a good friend in Ted DiBiase, who is also having his issues with Michelle Hayes and company, solely bringing up that the JYD comes out to his own theme music. Another one bites the dust here. Dog says he uses it to get his blood flowing and it psychs out his opponents. Fun ending there as JYD letting out a big howl to end that promo and scaring Gordon solely in the process. Yeah, JYD is at the top of his game here, and it was definitely the right move to uh, move him over to TBS so he'll get some national exposure. Again, this is has to be Bill Watts' influence going on here. Yeah, with the dog arriving, you can always uh, assume that, that Watts is somewhere in play here, and I, I just love the end of that. You guys got to go try to find this uh, episode of TV on YouTube, or at least this profile promo on youtube because i love the end dog lets out a big howl gordon Soli acting scared they're having some heart palpitations almost uh, after the jyd letting out that big howl to the moon as we uh conclude this episode of georgia championship wrestling on tv and for those who weren't aware of course they tape tv on saturday mornings which gives the wrestlers enough time to make the drive to the events later on in the day and in this instance jamie we're off to chattanooga tennessee also here on January the 24th at the Memorial Auditorium to see Bill Dromo over the Turk, the Turk subbing for a missing in action Joe LaDuke here. Also, Kevin Sullivan defeating Steve Kern here in Chattanooga, but I've also found conflicting results with Kern going over, which we've seen a lot of since Sullivan lost the TV title, so take your pick. And here's an interesting one for you, Jamie. Six-man tag team action featuring Ted DiBiase, Robert Fuller, and brother, the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller making one of his few cameos here in Georgia, defeating all three Freebirds on a disqualification. 
Well, you're in uh, Chattanooga. It's in Tennessee. What's better than that than have not only one stud, but two Tennessee studs? Oh, absolutely. Eastern Tennessee, very familiar with the Fuller family, no doubt about it. And then up next, it's main event time here in Chattanooga. Champion versus champion is the Georgia heavyweight champion, Tony Atlas, going to take on the national heavyweight champion, the Stomper. And before we get to the result of the match, just a quick promo here. From Tony Atlas. Chattanooga, you got a busy schedule. That's right. You know, I watched this stomper get out here. Last time I was out here, I spoke to lift 500 pounds, and that fool come out and knock the bench and the weights and everything over top of me, and I had to disappoint all the people by not lifting it last week. But let me tell you something, stomper. I got you in Chattanooga, brother. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tears for Tony. Tears for Tennessee. Tears for terrific. And tears for this terrible tornado that I'm going to drill on that big old Captain Hook nose of yours. That big on your head had did the last dirty deed he gonna do here in Georgia. Chaka do a Tennessee. I'm gonna whoop you like a drum boy. Bring your ball head self on. I had to get that in. So Tony Atlas coming for revenge after that bench I mean, press if, debacle. <laughs> if for no other reason, the Captain Hook nose line. <laughs> All Only of it was Tony great. Tony Atlas could come out with that. <laughs> the, the entire thing was great to me. He says T is for Tony, T is for Tennessee, T is for terrific, and T is for terrible tornado. Atlas going to go upside Stomper's onion head. I also enjoyed that. Really enjoying Atlas's run here uh, while it lasts anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And one of the best things that I always thought made Georgia Championship Wrestling special was when they would do the interviews or promos for the different towns. Oh, yeah. I, I always loved them mentioning that. It made everybody feel special and important because there was only so many towns that Georgia ran, so you, you heard them weekly. Michael Hayes was really good at it. Dusty did it all the time without even thinking about it, but Michael Hayes always talking about Columbus, Georgia, and Chattanooga, Tennessee, and everywhere in between. And I know everybody did it, but I just always catch it when the Freebirds do it, and just really good job selling everywhere they're going. And it wasn't just them. It was everybody. I mean, even right. going right through the, the end of the promotion there in the early 85, always plugging those upcoming towns and having an interview about a match in one of those towns. Yeah, early 85, Devil Blue. Devil Blue, Mr. Tony Marino, <laughs> a.k.a. Batman. Different John, kind of Batman. John McAdam, you know, I, I made a post of Devil Blue, put some pictures up online, and uh, John didn't seem too happy with Devil Blue. He, he was kind of insulted that Oli didn't look a little further for talent at that point because Tony Marino was getting up there in age at the time, but I kind of liked the character myself. I thought he looked cool, and Marino was still in great shape. Oh, you wouldn't have known he was, what, 50-plus there? Yeah, had to been. Had to been I, 50. I mean, more. that guy was barrel-chested and... uh Solid. But uh, that's 1985. I'll bring everything back here to 1981 for everybody. And the end result here is the Georgia champion, Tony Atlas, going over on the national champion, Mongolian Stomper. However, it's on a DQ, so no title changes hands here in Chattanooga. Yeah, you you kind of had to know that they weren't going to unify the belts at this point. No, definitely not. Also on January the 24th, this is interesting. I mentioned this last week. Georgia Championship Wrestling starting to send a few pieces of talent out to the West Coast, specifically San Francisco area, for Roy Shire, who's all but folded up at this point. But uh, we heard a promo here on TV from Dusty Rhodes last week. And during the middle of that promo, he talks about going to San Francisco on January the 24th. And while I have no results for this specific show, uh, this was apparently a very brief attempt at a thing here, Jamie. Georgia was going to start sending a few Superstation stars for Roy Shire to try and maybe get things cooking again there in the San Francisco area. 
Now, Al Getz and John Boucher, they have a segment on their show where they, they reference something new that they learned this month. Well, this was my something new, Jamie. The Georgia Championship Wrestling Territory may going to work with Roy Shire a little bit since Cable was starting to boom. Maybe people had seen these guys on the Superstation and maybe they could draw a little more out there on the West Coast. Yeah, Al and John have a great podcast. I listen to that one again. But also, not only was it the Superstation guys, Dusty, I believe, had already made a few shows uh, with the Florida guys. Right. For, for Shire. And now I guess they're going to transition. That didn't go so well. So they're, now they're going to try the hand with the national wrestlers appearing on TBS. Shire shows. Right, right. See, I knew about the Florida thing. I just never knew that it, it transitioned over to this Georgia deal here. Now, and this doesn't last long either. But it's really intriguing that they, they tried to help Shire out and try to keep something going over there on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, smart business move, but evidently, um, big picture, it, it didn't work. As we move on to January 26th, Augusta, Georgia, the Bell Auditorium card looks like this. It was Steve Kern going to a draw with Bobby Eaton. That had to have been fun. Kevin Sullivan over the TV champion Steve O in a non-title matchup. Tony Atlas going to defeat the Mongolian Stomper yet again in a champion versus champion match. Again, Atlas getting the win on a DQ. And then up next on the card, kind of interesting here, a fellow by the name of Big A, which apparently is Robert Fuller under a hood, defeating Michael Hayes. And I got to ask you, do you know the significance of Big A here? Uh, as I'm drawing a blank, is it A for Augusta or, or what's going on here? I have no idea. I don't remember ever seeing that result or hearing that name before. I'll agree with you. It's, I'm guessing it's A for Augusta. And in the main event, listen to this, guys. Big Stan Frazier, the Plowboy, making his return to Georgia, and is teaming up with Ted DiBiase here. And it is the team of DiBiase and Frazier defeating Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts to capture the Georgia Tag Team titles with a little help from old Big A, Robert Fuller. Uh, sands the mask, I'm sure, at this point. So we have new tag team champions, at least for now, Ted DiBiase and a returning Uncle Elmer. See, it, it takes a man from Philadelphia to get the job done. Get the job done. Absolutely right. <laughs> oh, man. Where's Tom Robinson when you need him? <laughs> so we have new tag team champions as we move along to Columbus, Georgia, in the Memorial Auditorium on January the 28th. It's Charlie Cook over Chick Donovan, Bobby Eaton going to a draw with Steve O, Steve Kern over Kevin Sullivan in a lumberjack match, Dust the Roll with the Mac and Dream. Coming in to take on the Mongolian Stomper, it's Dusty over the national champion Stomper on a disqualification. Also on the card, Mr. Wrestling 2, teaming with the new tag team champion Ted DiBiase. No Stan Fraser here in Columbus, so it's Wrestling 2 and DiBiase defeating the fabulous Freebirds on a DQ. Now, it should be mentioned that earlier in the week, Terry Gordy suffered a quote-unquote injury, and he was out missing a couple of shows. That's why we saw Hayes lose the tag team titles with Buddy Roberts on the 26th. Gordy returns here to action tonight with Buddy Roberts, but he winds up again injuring his leg to the fuller leg lock. It was a devastating um, maneuver. Right, so Robert Fuller getting involved again here in a match that he wasn't part of, making sure he was still involved. As uh, It's kind of odd, though. Stan Fraser returns on the 26th. Where is he at two days later on the 28th, just after they win the tag team titles? Well, he had to go back to the farm probably for a day or two. He was expecting to win the belts. You and this fucking farm. I love you, Jamie. So, so <laughs> we roll on to January 31st, Atlanta, Georgia, WTBS Studios. It's another episode of TV 605 on the Superstation, guys. Some of the matches will see Kevin Sullivan over Mike Jackson, 
Always good to see Mike Jackson on TV. Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas defeating Super Pro. Steve Kern over Rick Connors. Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating Abdul Zatar. It's Robert Fuller over Jim Horn. Ole Anderson defeating Tom Hart. National heavyweight champion the Mongolian Stomper over Deke Rivers. And Charlie Cook defeating Rocket Monroe. But then, up next, and this match is out there on YouTube, guys. Go check it out. It's Bobby Eaton scoring a win over the national TV champion, Steve Olsonowski. Match goes about nine minutes as Bob Eaton tripping up Olsonowski in the corner, using the ropes for leverage, and Eaton stealing the win and winning the national TV championship. Out of nowhere, Jamie. Yeah, this was a really good match. Uh, I have seen this one, and it shocked it. If I hadn't known the results 20, 30, 40 years ago, I would have never seen the Bobby Fulton title win coming because Bobby hasn't been pushed that much to this point. No, right. And it did come. And it felt like they were specifically throwing Bobby a bone here because we know what's going to end up happening here in the next several weeks with the television title. But in the middle of all this stuff between Steve Kern, Kevin Sullivan, Steve O, Bobby Eaton just thrown in the mix here. And I'm not complaining, but it seems like they, they see potential in Bobby Eaton and they want to get him out there. Yeah, they were exposure and then see what happens. As the show goes on, Dick Slater back in town here in the state of Georgia. Going to pick up a win here over Frank Levert with a belly-to-belly suplex. And then afterwards, Slater stopping by to have a word with Gordon Soley. Well, all right, Dick, uh, you've got a very busy schedule ahead of you this week. You know, as I said before, I'm here for one reason and one reason only. Not because I'm here for a bounty, not because somebody asked me to come here. I'm here because of one thing, and that one thing is the Mongolian stomper. The man has run over a lot of people. I hear it everywhere I go all over the country. The Mongolian stompers hurt somebody else. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to give him the opportunity. I'm signing my name to every contract that I can get my hands on for the stomper, whether it be in Chattanooga, which I will be there, and I'll wrestle the stomper there. But another main important thing is in Marietta. That's another one. Mongolian Stomper, you may get sick and tired of seeing Dick Slater's face, but you're going to see it for a long time, and I want to see you run over me. And then, of course, you're going to be at the Omni on February 8th as well. That's right, but right now the main importance, like I said, is doing what I came here to do, and that is to put away the Mongolian Stomper. And I usually do what I say. If I don't, well, then I'm not the man I say I am, and I am the man that I am. So Dickie Slater making no bones about it. He is here for the Mongolian Stomper. Slater says he keeps hearing that the Stomper is taking out man after man all over the world. Well, Slater is sick and tired of it, and he's here to put a stop to it once and for all. Yeah, that's why they call him Mr. Unpredictable. And here it is once again. Dick Slater returns every three, four, five months back to Georgia and really pumps up the fans each time. Yeah, and they make sure to keep him out there. Like you said, he comes back every few months. Just going to remind everybody worldwide here on cable TV that Dick Slater is a top challenger to the world title. So we also, at this point, we get a confrontation between Dick Slater and Don Carson, the manager of the Stomper, here on the show, with Stomper trying to attack Dick Slater from behind, but Don Carson winds up having to hold his man back when Dick Slater gets ready for him here. So it's kind of funny, though, for me, Jamie, seeing Dick Slater here as a babyface in Georgia and at the exact same time still working the Florida Territory as a heel, feuding with Mike Graham over the Southern title. So what do you think those those people in Florida, the fans, thought about seeing Slater here as a babyface on 
cable TV. I'm sure some of them shrugged it off, but this had to leave at least some fans scratching their heads, maybe starting to question the legitimacy of things here. Uh, wasn't it you that told me that Terry Funk said that cable TV killed professional wrestling? Or yes. The, ter- the territories? Yes, that's exactly right. The moment he saw TBS appear on uh, Amarillo television in their area, he knew it was time to sell his dad's promotion and get out. So what do you make of this? They don't seem to have an issue using Dick Slater as one of the top baby faces here, knowing full well he's still working the Florida Territory. He hasn't left there. He's working both territories at the same time, and he's a top heel over there. He's been feuding with Barry Windham on top. He's feuding with Mike Graham right now over the Southern Heavyweight title. And then he pops up here on Georgia, and he's talking about coming after the Mongolian Stomper, the top heel in the GCW. So what what do you make of that? Like, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't think it's that big a deal because he jumped back and forth in Florida all the time. So it's not like the Florida fans wouldn't understand that he would be a good guy. You know, it all depends on the circumstances and what wrestler he is going against. I don't think many places up to this point, the Mongolian Stompers ever uh, been a face. So it's it's fine for him to face the the Stomper. And you you make some good points there. And I liken Dick Slater to someone like a Jake Roberts in that no matter whether they're a babyface or a heel, their promo never really changes. They're always the same guy. Dick Slater not out here kissing babies, shaking hands. He's out here to get some business done. And he wants to step in the ring with the Mongolian Stomper. Of course, Stomper not only the champion, but Slater wanting to prove he's the better man here. So I guess even as a babyface, he's not really doing a whole lot of babyface things to change his gimmick. And it's I, I go all the way back to Jake the Snake Roberts, the heel turn in the WWF there in the early part of the 1990s. Jake made a comment one time that stuck with me to this day. And he said, I never really changed. It was you fans who turned me. You know, one, one once upon a time, the fans booed him, but then they cheered him, and now they're booing him again. But Jake, he never changed character. They just seemed to like Jake because he was going against their villains, and now, you know, Jake goes heel, and, and now they're they're booing him again. But the, the slimy snake character, he was always the snake. And, and that's, I guess you could kind of liken that to Dick Slater here. Like you said, he turns back and forth in Florida because it's Dick Slater. And others will steal Robert's uh, line there as time goes forward. But for me, the first person, not so much Slater, because I really wasn't watching at this point. Uh-huh. But when you get up at, later into the summer and uh, into the fall is Stan Hansen. Hansen comes in for a show or two as a face, but he's still a heel in the WWF go, uh, going up against Backlund at this time. Right. And that kind of threw me for a loop at the time. And also, right around the same time, um, we used to get Channel 48 out of Patterson, New Jersey, and it showed the L.A. sports arena shows. And I would watch that every Saturday at 5 o'clock, even though I couldn't understand what they were saying. (laughs) And and, and out comes Fred Blassie shaking hands and kissing babies. Well, yeah, that would would definitely throw me for a loop, for sure. (laughs) So the advent of cable is about to affect the entire wrestling world. No doubt about it. Time for our last piece of business here this week on TBS. Save the best for last, I suppose. The Plowboy, Stan Frazier, is back, as mentioned. Now he returned, we talked about it, January 26th in Augusta. And of course, as I mentioned, he returned to team with Ted DiBiase, and they defeated the fabulous Freebirds to capture the national tag team title belts. 
And before we get to the storyline here this week on TV, we're going to hear a promo here. Gordon Soli going to interview Ted DiBiase and the returning Plowboy. During the next hour here on Georgia Championship Wrestling, the Georgia Tag Team Champions will be in a championship title defense. Uh, the match will be one fall with television time remaining. And I might just point out that uh, should we cut away to a commercial or something during the match uh, and a pinfall or submission occurred during that particular period of time, we'll replay it back on instant replay so you won't miss any of it. But I'd like to introduce at this time the new Georgia Tag Team Champions, Ted DiBiase and Stan the Man Frazier. Thank you very much, Gordon. You know, you can see where the belts are sitting, and I think that that speaks for itself. You know, I heard what Michael Hayes had to say, and I'll tell you something, Hayes. You've got a very large capacity for stretching the truth. And I'll just go ahead and say it. You're an out-and-out -out liar. You know, he's talking about what he has said, and the word is that they had to buy this match today, that they practically had to pay to get us to put the titles up against them today. That's as far from the truth as you can get. The fact of the matter is that we won these belts because the third Freebird was eliminated. Robert Fuller and myself injured Terry Gordy in Columbus, Ohio, injured his knee, and because he wasn't present, that's why these belts are where they are. Michael Hayes is panic-stricken. He's panicking because one of his Freebirds is not there. Now, the guy tried to come back a little bit early, and he re-injured that knee, so he is out of commission right now. Now, today, the only stipulation that we had, the only thing we asked for was that Michael Hayes guarantee that he gets in that ring and wrestles and if he would do that, that we would put the titles on the line today, right here on television, if I could get my hands or get the chance to get our hands on Michael Hayes right here and right now. And they have agreed to do that. He's panicked, Gordon. He's panicked because the, the belts are ours. One of his men is missing, and he doesn't know which way to go. He's been forced into that ring. He's not going because he wants to. He's going because he has no other choice, and I like it that way, Gordon. Fair enough. Congratulations, gentlemen, the new Georgia Tag Team Champions, Ted DiBiase, Stan Frazier. They'll be going up a title defense against the Freebirds right after we pause for these words. And you heard Ted DiBiase right there. They took out Terry Gordy and Columbus, so it was two on two. And that's how Frazier and DiBiase were able to capture the national tag team titles. And they promised to put the belts up here today if Michael Hayes promised to get in the ring. But he has no choice because there's no Terry Gordy, at least at this point. Gordy is missing in action, so the birds agree in order to get the title rematch, it's going to be Frazier and DiBiase defending the titles here today on TV against the likes of Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes. So a rarity here. We're going to see Michael Hayes in action here on TV this week as we head to the ring for a national tag team title matchup. And initially, it is the fabulous Freebirds of Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts defeating the national tag team champions Ted DiBiase and Stan Frazier in about seven minutes' time. After the illegal men, DiBiase and Buddy Roberts spill out to the floor and begin to brawl, distracting the referee, I think it was Nick Patrick here, and that's when Terry Gordy makes his return from injury and double teams Frazier, along with Michael Hayes behind the referee's back, Gordy dropping a big leg across the plowboy, allowing Mr. Pure Sexy to score the pin and regain the titles. But that doesn't last long. A brawl ensues post-match. With Frazier down, it's another three-on-one Freebirds beatdown on Ted DiBiase until Robert Fuller arrives and tries to even things out here. So right now, we're going to go to a soundbite of Gordon Soley trying to make sense of this entire mess going on in the ring, and we'll have more on the other side. Well, wait just a second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Terry Gordy was out there. Well, 
I don't know. We've got confusion going on here. A pinfall was scored, but it was after Terry Gordy came into the ring. And now, Buddy Robertson, Ted DiBiase battling it out. Now Terry Gordy's in there against uh, Ted DiBiase. And we've got uh, absolute mayhem going here, the three of them, after Ted DiBiase. Robert Fuller and now DiBiase's back on his feet. And uh, Fuller and DiBiase have now cleared the ring. I'm trying to get clarification on the... Uh, Referee has just informed me he's holding up the belt. The referee has taken the responsibility of holding up the belt uh, due to the interference that uh, Terry Gordy perpetrated in the center of the ring. Okay, all right. So the Terry Gordy's interference, the belts have been held up. The belts are held up, and uh, they're administering now to stand the man, Frazier. So the referee sees Terry Gordy ringside, and he has a pretty good idea of what just transpired. And after speaking with Gordon Soley, it is confirmed, guys, the national tag team titles have been held up here on January 31st. So the decision, it isn't really reversed as the belts are held up. So this ruling of the match, I, I guess it's a, a no contest of sorts. And DiBiase and um, the Plowboy actually get screwed out of this deal. Yeah, they do. They should have returned the belts to them. Or I, I guess, I, I don't really know, but I love my favorite part of this entire match. And I hate to nit nitpick, but... The studio is only so big, and there's only so many entrances to the studio. So as Ted DiBiase and Buddy Roberts are fighting out on the floor, Terry Gordy makes his entrance right behind them, i.e. right in front of the referee. The referee's looking down at DiBiase and Roberts, and you see Gordy, and he tries to sprint as fast as he can, but he runs around the ring right in front of the referee to make the attack. But again, I'm just nitpicking. It, it was a fun time. We had It was a short match, about seven minutes here on TV. It didn't need to be really long as uh, DiBiase, and as you said, Stan Frazier, they are screwed out of the tag team titles. And I got a kick out of uh, Gordon calling uh, Frazier Stan the Man Frazier. He's been a lot of things. He's been the convict. He's been Uncle Elmer. He's been the plowboy. But the man, that's a new one for me. Well, you probably he thought he was going to say Stan Stasiak there for a second <laughs> and then called himself. Yeah, he's probably a few cocktails in, but not enough to where he's going to make any big mistakes just yet. Hey. Gordon's Gordon. He can do whatever he wants to at this point. So the national tag team titles are held up pending a rematch scheduled for February the 2nd in Augusta, Georgia. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But we're going to close up this edition of Regional Wrestling here, finishing out the month of January in 1981. Going to head back to Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Memorial Auditorium January 31st. It's Ron Fuller back up here in Chattanooga again, working for Georgia, defeating the Turk on the undercard. Also, Mr. Wrestling 2 over Buddy Roberts. Roberts steps in to sub for Crazy Luke Graham, who wasn't long for the territory here. Steve Kern over Kevin Sullivan in a Boston street fight. Dickie Slater going to score a win over the national champion Mongolian Stomper on a DQ. I'm sensing a pattern here with the Stomper. Everybody defeating him on a DQ, no matter who it is, it would seem. That's because he doesn't listen to the rules, and he just keeps pounding away, pounding away, and pounding away. And with no titles on the line, remember the tag titles are held up. It's Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase finally able to defeat the fabulous Freebirds of Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes, the original Freebirds here. And of course, the Freebirds, they can do a job now because they're not the champions. Yeah, and it's good to see Hayes in the ring. I always thought he was very underrated. A lot of guys rip on Michael Hayes, but I always thought he was good enough to get the job done. So there were different phases of Michael Hayes' career for me. I feel like. Mid-South, 
uh, certainly here in Georgia and definitely in world class. He wasn't the greatest worker of all time in the ring, but he was adequate enough to be passable, especially in tag team matches, Jamie. But yeah, I'll agree 100 percent with that. If early just, Michael Hayes was was very passable, more motivated and, and still in his early 20s here. So that's where we're at. But if yeah, you fast like forward, Gordy's only, only like 19 here. That is hard to believe. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know how old Gordy is here, but that, that, that. Yeah, what did he start? He was 14, right in the mid 70s for the IWA. So yes, yeah, it's it's insane. He, he can't be more than 20. Now, I believe later on we'll get to it when Snooker comes in. Uh, he mentions he's only 20 years old. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. But uh, it's it's just wild to think about here the Freebirds. But I was going to say too, uh, you know, on my other show, the Grenade. I uh, covered the entire 1989 in the NWA project, and Michael Hayes was one of the most atrocious. You would have never thought he was even trained by that point. He was just phoning it in, I, I would imagine, just kind of uh, resting off his laurels, so to speak. I don't really know what was going on there with Michael Hayes in 89, but just not the uh, the Michael Hayes here from the early 80s. And he even gets better again, I think, with Jimmy Garvin at, at points, uh, especially when uh, Bill Watts comes into WCW and makes him have to work to keep his job there. For a few months anyway, I think I think that's why Hayes retired so early uh, in 1992, the summer of 92, because Watts came in and said, no, no, Michael, you're going to have to get in the ring and work here. There's no third Freebird. And uh, by the end of the summer, Michael Hayes calling it quits at least full time in the ring at, at like 32, 33 years old, something like that. Yeah. And then all those years in Titan and he's still a still a young man for the most part. He's, he's only in his 60s, I believe. Yeah, Michael Hayes has been around a long time and done a lot. And that that's an understatement, but just crazy. And, and just about. real quick, I, I know we're not in our time period here, but you just mentioned Michael Hayes in eighty nine. Sure. Right. I thought I thought Michael Hayes from January until the Freebirds reunite, where, where he wins what the U.S. title there real quick from Luger, Luger when he turned right. heel. I, I thought he was really good at at that point, but once they reformed the the Freebirds and brought Garvin in. I think it was all downhill from there until Watts arrives. Well, it starts off pretty bad, but there's no motivation there. They bring him in as a baby face and they have him teaming with anything walking a baby face. Ivan Koloff on his way out the junkyard dog who comes in because George Scott takes over the book and doesn't realize that, you know, dogs past his prime. So it's just, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of bad stuff from Michael Hayes overall. Yeah. Uh, well, even Hayes in world class, what's that? 87, 88. Right. Uh, he, he was still and, decent there. Yeah, it was it was good stuff there against the SST and things. Steve do it to it Cox and all that good stuff there <laughs> in uh, Dallas. But yeah, so Hayes has his ups and downs. When he's motivated, he's good to go. And here, I don't think he he lacks motivation. I'd say he started with a chip on his shoulder. He had motivation throughout his entire run, all, all through here, all through Dallas, and then maybe it kind of slowed down there. Maybe you know, like I said, resting off his laurels. The Freebirds had done it all. And he was in his mid-20s by the time he was like, eh, I'll just phone it in for a little bit here and there. I'm not saying every everywhere he went, but sometimes very questionable. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Him and Piper became uh, my two most favorite wrestlers in the early 80s. And unfortunately, I never got to meet Piper, but I did get to meet Michael Hayes backstage at the Philly Civic Center one night. And I have actually got to meet his whole family. He was originally from a suburb not too far away from where I live now, but his parents divorced and he ended up moving to what Alabama with his mother. So he was raised down there. 
but he's stayed in contact with his family up here. I got to meet his brother and his father, and uh, I believe he had a sister. Oh, very cool. So we're going to close out the month of January 1981 here. Going to look at the current champions right now. Mongolian Stomper walks into 1981 as the national heavyweight champion. Still the national heavyweight champion is the Stomper. Tony Atlas also still the Georgia heavyweight champion. We saw Bobby Eaton, the brand new national TV champion, having beaten Steve-O here on January 31st TV. And as we just saw, it's DiBiase and Stan Frazier taking the national tag team titles from the Freebirds on January 26th. But a rematch here on TV on January 31st, just five days later, saw the belts get held up pending a rematch, as I said, on February 2nd in Augusta, which we'll get into next time here on the show. And uh, before we go, Jamie, I just wanted to run down the upcoming February 8th Omni card. I want you to listen to this card, Jamie, and, and uh, if you have any thoughts on anything, stop me any time, because just what a card here. It's going to be NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race taking on Tony Atlas, of course, Atlas pinning race in a recent tag team matchup in the Omni. It was Atlas and Dusty taking on Ole and Harley Race. Atlas scoring the win over Harley and thus getting himself a title shot here in the Omni in Atlanta. Also, remember, Don Carson's been cutting promos referring to the Stomper as the eighth wonder of the world. Well, there's the real eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. He took exception to that, and now he's coming into Georgia to take on the Mongolian Stomper, no doubt, to find out who keeps that namesake of the eighth wonder of the world. Then from there, it's 15 grand versus a Lincoln Continental Town car as Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller are going to step in the ring, putting 15 grand up against Fuller's former Lincoln Town car and the fabulous Freebirds here with Michael Hayes and the Junkyard Dog handcuffed to each other at ringside. Sounds like fun there. Plus, it's Ole Anderson taking on Mr. Wrestling 2. Talk about the Battle of the Grumps. Kevin Sullivan going to go at it with Steve Kern <laughs> in a Boston street fight. I, I was just about to interject the Battle yeah, of the Grumpy Old Men. Please, yes. I mean, just think about that. Oh, the promos alone. Let's give these guys three months of promos. <laughs> also at the Omni on February the 8th, it's Kevin Sullivan taking on Steve Kern in a Boston street fight. Charlie Cook against Alexis Smirnoff. I didn't even know Smirnoff was still here. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. And right now it's TV champion Bobby Eaton scheduled to take on Steve Olsonowski in a rematch. And I wrote down here simply, what a card from top to bottom. And you know what they forgot all about as we got into January here? Steve-O was the Georgia Junior Heavyweight Champion. I guess that title went bye-bye. For the time being, I don't know that they ever uh, bring it back. So, yeah, good point, though. Moving into the new year, Steve-O was appointed the Junior Heavyweight Championship after Stan Lane left the territory in early December. Uh, but, yeah, the, by this point, we're not really hearing it mentioned anymore. And that, that's unfortunate because they were using Les Thornton there for a little bit, and I really thought they were onto something, but then Thornton off to Florida – to feud with Jerry Briscoe there for a little bit. Yeah, they probably just figured, Let, let's just bag the junior division and move on. Good call. Now, you remember Gordon Soley also making mention in an earlier promo, I should mention before we close out this episode, that Dick Slater would be participating in this February 8th Omni card. Well, he was actually scheduled for this show, but unfortunately, there was a, a, a car accident, which we'll get into on the next episode of Regional Wrestling here in the month of February in 81. Uh, down in the Houston territory, it was Dick Slater and a couple other gentlemen. I, I think Terry Funk was one of them, actually, uh, that get into a fairly serious car accident and going to keep a few of these guys on the shelf here for a few weeks at the very least. I look forward to that story because I actually don't know it. I hope everybody uh, is uh, waiting for, with bated breath, as Jim Cornette would say, for that next edition of the show, Jamie. And I'll fill you in in, in, uh, in advance so you have time to do a little research on it. But 
Yeah, I do. Okay. You know, like I like I always do. I do my research. I do my homework, and I came up, you know, with a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff here uh, in the first several months of uh, of 1981. And I look forward to talking all about it with you, Jamie. You and only you. Hey, I look forward to talking with you. And I can tell you something else. I have guys that have I've been getting great feedback on our couple Georgia shows, and people love you, right? Well, I appreciate those people. <laughs> they, they, they can. They could tell you, you do your homework, you're full of knowledge, you enunciate very clearly, and you are the heart of the show. I, uh, you know, I don't know what to say to that, Jamie. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, whoever you got that information from. I appreciate them. If they're listening right now, I I really do. It's that type of feedback that, that keeps my drive going. Every once in a great while, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing 1987 in the WWF. I'm doing Georgia. I'm doing Mid-South. I'm, I'm even doing the Monday Night War, which is not exactly my cup of tea. I lived through it, so I know it. But, you know, I'm doing that more for that Monday Night War era, that that uh, Attitude Era type fan base out there. Just got to try to do something a little different. But it was the, the territories is what I wanted to start with. But I knew to get things going with WrestleCopia that it was probably a good idea to do the heart of the 80s and 90s in the WWF and the NWA, WCW, what have you. So that's what I started with the grenade. But as I moved over here, I finally got it going. What I really wanted to do was regional wrestling in the territories. Uh, years and years and years of studying these things. And finally, we get to bring it to the light of day and talk about it for everyone else to hear and maybe preserve a little bit of history. Bring up some things that maybe not everybody knew. Exactly. That, that's the important part. In doing this, you know, people think, oh, wow, you're on a podcast. You're, you know, you're, you're like big time. No, that's not what we do this stuff for. We do this stuff to preserve history. It realistically, that's what it is. We enjoy talking about it, right? And now others will know about it too. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And Jamie, I think you got a couple of plugs here. We got a couple of their podcasters out there who uh, seem to enjoy our show, and I want to make sure that we give them credit back as well for their show as well. Yeah, so I'd like to uh, make mention of two of my uh, favorite podcasts out there first. The first one is Broken Cave Fabe with Frankie Seacrest and Ariel Avalog. They're kind of like a little different take on pro wrestling. Uh, not only do they do pro wrestling, they also talk comics and games and, and stuff like that. Very, very interesting listen. And then also there's a brand new podcast starting on April 23rd, if you get a chance to check it out. It's for others that are fans of Broken Cave Fabe with Barry and Baldron, which will be retiring come beginning of July. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, they're they're going to hang it up. There's a new podcast called The Other Ship, which will kind of be taking over for the uh, Facebook page uh, so everybody can follow along. And guys like Michael, Drew, Jason, Chris, and William, Kevin, and Rodney will be uh, doing that. And again, they have some different takes on wrestling. Recently, they just had a fantasy draft on their preceding podcast that's going to lead into The Other Ship. So if you get a chance, check out The Other Ship. It'll be a good. All right, so that's uh, the Broken Kayfabe podcast, a little hodgepodge of everything there. I invite you guys to go check them out. Also, the other ship, going to take over for the brothership, if you will, there. Not not a not a knock on uh, the mothership, guys. I don't I don't need all that hate mail coming my way. This is uh, the other ship taking over for the brothership, Bowdrin and Barry. Yes, sad to see them go, but they've had so many good episodes over the years and just, uh, you know, happy for whatever they choose to do moving forward, but... Uh, very cool. So it is Broken Kayfabe and the Other Ship coming. Brand new show, the Other Ship coming our way here. So uh, go find that as well, guys. And Jamie, I want to thank you again this week for uh, 
Joining me on this voyage through 1981, one month down, 11 to go. Lots of good stuff still coming our way. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for bringing these guys to our attention. These other podcasts that are, are leaving us a little feedback, but also at the same time, they're good guys as well. Yeah, they're absolutely good guys. I've known most of them personally uh, for years. So it's good to see them branching off. They're not associated with any other podcast networks. They're kind of doing this on their own just for the uh, the love of the sport. Right on. And wow, that'll do it, Jamie. We finish up January 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. That's one month down and 11 to go. So much good stuff still ahead as we move into the month of February. Next time out. Got an Omni card coming up on February 8th, as well as the return of Andre the Giant, NWA World Champion Harley Race on the horizon. The Freebirds going to continue their feud with Fuller and DiBiase. Jamie, want to thank you again so much for being here with me on this voyage through Georgia wrestling history. And I can't wait to do this again. It's always a blast. Uh, absolutely. It's always a great time to be on with you, right? Thanks again, Jamie. Appreciate you coming along for the ride. Sounds good, right? I'll talk to you next time. Okay, and I want to thank you again, Jamie, and I want to thank all of the loyal listeners of Regional Wrestling and the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. We'll be back soon with more Georgia 1981, more Mid-South 86. Till then, you can follow me, Ray Russell, on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And we'll be back soon with more Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. Mm-hmm.